Well, thank you, Scott Fransky. Nicely done. And, yes, that was last night in Atlanta as the Phillies win. Good, important win. And Craig Kimball gets the 400th save of his career. I'm Glenn Mack now with my pal Mike Sealski here on, well, this is kind of the weekend that begins the summer, Mike Sealski. It absolutely does. One of my favorite weekends of the year. It is nice. It is good. It's barbecues and going down to the shore and doing all those fun things. Uh, so we appreciate that you will share it with us. And we got a lot going on today, particularly some very good guests in this hour. Coming up in the next segment, we get the opportunity to interview the Flyers now official general manager, Danny Daniel Briere. Looking forward to that very much. I know a lot of Flyers fans are very curious about how Danny is going to fare. Is it Danny or Daniel now? Do we? I guess we got to ask him that. Yeah, it we was should. Danny when he when he was scoring those playoff goals. He was always Danny in the locker room anytime I spoke to him. But he but now that he is in a position of power in this organization, it might have to be Daniel. I guess it's still Jonesy, right? So it's oh yeah, still it's, Danny. It's always going to be would Jonesy. Think. I don't know. I, I would think uh, we're going to talk with um, Jeff McLean at eleven. The Inquirer's fine uh, Eagles beat writer who's got a terrific podcast going, which we'll probably focus on that, which is the challenges of finding and keeping a franchise quarterback. Jeff's podcast is is outstanding. Uh, and at noon, we're going to talk to Tyler Kepner. He's the national baseball columnist for the New York Times. He's a uh, Bucks County kid. Grew up with Flower Town, I think? Yeah, Montgomery County. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he grew up, like, right next – if I remember correctly, he grew up, like, right next door to Mike Richter. He did. He uh, They're both Germantown Academy guys. Uh, Tyler and I grew up about five minutes from each other and were born a month apart. And didn't meet until oh, yeah. we were working together in New York City. Okay, so uh, great guy. Great anyway, guy. he'll give us kind of the the national perspective on both the Phillies, and we want to talk to him about the impact of the rule changes. So we got a lot going on these hour the, these days. Mike's got a TV show he's going to I don't know maybe recommend maybe recommend against. We're going to do a salute to the late great Tina Turner who passed this week. And we'll work in every franchise you can imagine. So don't go anywhere over the next three hours. But, yeah, let's start with the Phillies. They do win that game last night. Kimbrell comes in in the, in the ninth, um, protects a two-run lead. Did a nice job. They win 6-4. to four. His his family was there from Huntsville, Alabama. Any comments on, on his dad's appearance? His dad looked like a character. Uh, I, you asked me about this before the show. What, yeah. what did his father's appearance make you think of? I said Woodstock. You said I looks like he should be in Lancaster County raising a barn. <laughs> That's what hey, I thought. Whatever, whatever floats Selling your boat, man. Pretzels at Reading Terminal Market. Different I, strokes, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but and and Kimbrell noted it. He said, "Yeah, the camera tends to find my dad." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that's great. Listen, his family had a great time. Um, and it was good, and it was an important win after they lost the night before. Kimbrell has pitched well. He started the year poorly, but last seven games, one twenty nine. ERA, maybe he's the closer they need with with Alvarado out. Um, and by the way, Bryce Stott also had a great game. Yes, a single, did. a walk, a couple steals, another single. He was all over the place. But the big picture, Mike Sielski, is that as we head into Memorial Day weekend, they are 24-27. and 27. Mm-hmm. My math says that means there's 111 games to go, which is a lot. We're mm-hmm. a third in. But Memorial Day weekend is always kind of that first marker of, okay, does the team have it or not? So I'll just come to you with that question. Does the team have it or not? I think it's too early to tell. I would say it's still there's still a very good possibility that they have it. And I understand the angst 
that Phillies fans are feeling these days. I totally get it. The team went to the World Series last year. You're expecting them to pick off, pick up excuse me, exactly where they left off. I would just point out that at this stage of the season a year ago, the Phillies were worse then than they are now. As you said, they're, they're 24 and 27 now. They were 22 and 29 a year ago and about to, if they hadn't already, fire their manager. So I say all of that to say it's early. This is a slightly different team from the one that ended up going to the World Series last year. Some additions, some subtractions, all of that stuff. Um, But there's enough that can yet go right that I think it's too early to say, you know what, this team just doesn't have it. Trey Turner's going to hit. He's too good a player to be this guy for the entirety of a regular season. Uh, I think the pitching will get better. It's going to struggle for a while. I think there's going to be pressure and rightly so, on Dave Dombrowski to fix or at least try to fix the back end of the rotation. But this is why you have Dave Dombrowski as your general manager is to make moves like this. So to answer your question, Glenn, I am not panicking right now. I don't think 24 and 27 is an indication of what and who this team will be come September 1st. I half agree with you. Okay. Uh, and it's not too early to you know throw in the towel and say they're done, and it can't happen because it can happen. I also think that we are, and I guess I would accuse you here, of falling into the trap of, oh, they turned it around last year, they turned it around this year. Mm. Happened last year was pretty unusual. Yeah. And they just squeezed in at the end, if you remember, and they had it kind of the schedule got easier last year. The schedule gets tougher this year. So I – I can't say that I'm going to use last year as the basis to believe they can do it. They also got the injection of firing Girardi last year, adding a new manager. They're not going to do that. No. Okay, here's my concern. and I am not saying they can't, but if I had to bet my house, mm-hmm. I, would not, I, would bet that, I would not bet that they will. And okay. I'll, and I'll give you my various All reasons right, why go it goes step by step, and you can tell me where I'm wrong. Are Nola and Wheeler going to turn it around? Nola's got an ERA of 458. Um, John Stolness, who is the host of the hitting season, wrote in a tweet something that he verbalized exactly what I wanted to say, so I'll give him the credit. He said, I don't think I've ever seen as confounding a pitcher as Aaron Nola, somebody with more sheer stuff who has had both incredible success and frustrating failures, a completely unreliable pitcher who can be brilliant in big spots and also get shelled. A lot of shelled this year. Mm-hmm. Need the big spots. Need the brilliant. I think completely unreliable is a bit overstated for Aaron Nola. Okay. I, I mean, it's what I'm seeing. You You're, see three really good innings, and then all of a sudden, boom, there's four innings. Okay, yeah. let's, you know, not Yeah, happen. he also takes the ball every five days, and in oh, the main is, okay. is pretty darn good. Okay. Uh, Zach Wheeler is certainly not having a good season to date. Correct. Okay. Mike Sealski sees the turnaround. I see... A tendency to analyze every game as if it's a game of, of an NFL season, and it's not. It's, it's not, but we're a third in. Is Ranger Suarez going to get it together? Is Taiwan Walker going to pitch to that four-year, $72 million contract? Is a fifth starter going to appear somewhere out of the ether that we don't know about? I gave you the five spots in the starting rotation. Mm-hmm. I don't feel good about any of them right now. No, and look, they're not performing well. I'm not suggesting otherwise. I'm just saying that the baseball season is so long that projecting much of projecting too much mm. 
can get you in trouble. Okay. And the idea that this is going to continue, what we've seen for the first 51 games, is what is going to happen over the next 111 games, to me is not necessarily true. I need three of those five spots to go right. Mm-hmm. Or they're in trouble. And they can. Taiwan Walker looked better the last outing. Ranger Suarez. Could I, get healthy. Could get healthy. Okay, fine. So far, no. Trey Turner maybe is turning it around. By the way, his defense does not appear as good as I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, he isn't running. Yeah, which is weird. Yeah, he's not hitting for power. He's got just 14 walks so far. There's like nothing's going right with him. Mm-hmm. And it could be, again, that we wake up tomorrow and Trey Turner hits 400 over the next 20 games and all is well in the kingdom. But so far, it's like, oh, he's got the Nick Castellano season. I, I think you're a prisoner of right now. I think that's that's what's happening here. Okay. And I get it. I understand it. We we exper- Look, we experienced it last year with Nick Castellanos, as you mm-hmm. said. Uh, he never quite got there. But not everybody is Nick Castellanos. And Trey Turner's track record is such that I just think he's going to hit. He's too, He's been too good a player to, to, to be this guy for 162 games. Okay. Um, by the way, the guys on the bench, mm. 222, 172, 241, 226, 235. Yeah, not great. Not great. If you're a bowling league, it's fine. <laughs> you're, you're, but you're arguing that, yeah, they haven't been good. Yes. Um, but they're, 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 one more thing. They're 10th okay. in the league in home runs, which mm-hmm. they should not be. Right, correct. They're 10th in the league in on-base percentage, mm-hmm. which they should not be. They're 13th in ERA. Yes, we have 111 games to go. Mike Sielski, I am ready to wake up and have a turnaround. Yeah. Look, is Kyle Schwarber going to hit 169 for 100 and, over a 162-game season? Is, I don't know, uh, Edmundo uh, you know, Turner is JT Romuto gonna? I have no problem with Real no, Muto. no problem with Muto. No, he's, okay, he's okay. He's okay. I mean, offensively, I mean, I mean, yeah. he's terrific defensively. I'm not arguing that, but he's been okay mm-hmm. offensively. Is Bryce Harper not going to carry this team for a week or two at some point? He's trying his best. Yeah. I, I, okay. Look, I'm not suggesting that a playoff berth is assured. I'm just saying that the team they are right now, based on the track records of the players they have, suggests. This is not going to be the team we see July, August, September. On a scale of 1 to 100, with 100 being metaphysical certitude, mm-hmm. what is the number, the percentage chance right now that Mike Sealski, esteemed columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer and WIP radio host, put on the Phillies making the postseason mm-hmm. with you know a lot of spots there? Yeah, 60. I go 40. Okay. So we're not zero and a hundred, but right. we're on the opposite side. Yeah, of we're le- the- we're leaving a lot of room, and that's yeah. fine. And and I'm not suggesting the points you're making aren't valid at all. They haven't been great, yeah. but they were worse at this point last year. And yeah, you can't fire the manager, but you can no. have some other things go right. I'm very ready to wake up and see those things happening. Yeah. Okay. Second point: Sixers. By the way, two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Love to talk to you. Um, let's talk about the Sixers coach. You wrote a uh, column this week, some might say humorous, looking at <laughs> – looking, looking. I love the some might say. Some might say. <laughs> looking at the pros and cons of the Sixers uh, coaching candidates. Now, can you and I say right here that, unfortunately, we will rule out two of those – two of the candidates who are often named? Yes. I think, based on – a little bit of reporting I've done and just general reading of the landscape, that Jay Wright and Dawn Staley are not going to be 
neither of them is going to be the Sixers head coach. If I were Jay Wright, I wouldn't even take the Sixers call. And that's has less to do with the Sixers than it does with the life Jay Wright has right now. He's making great coin, analyzing college basketball for Turner Sports and CBS. He's got endorsements all over the place. He is beloved in this region. He doesn't have anything to prove. Why would he take this job? Dawn Stanley, I think, and you and I kicked this around last week, it's just not the right situation, Mm -mm. I think. I think she could coach in the NBA. Eventually, there will be a female head coach in the NBA. I don't think the Sixer situation is one that Dawn ought to come into or they ought to bring her into because there's an inherent novelty with it. And this franchise doesn't need novelty right yeah. now. They just need competence and excellence. Yeah, I would love either of those and agree with you that neither is likely. So, okay. So it really comes down to three names that we know about, unless mm-hmm. there's some sleeper candidate we don't. And they are both ex- – they're both. They're all three very experienced NBA guys. There are titles among them. And they are uh, Mike Budenholzer, who won the title with Milwaukee, Nick Nurse, who, as you recall, wiped the Sixers out of the playoffs in 2019 on a way to a championship in Toronto, his first season, by the way. Mm-hmm. And Frank Vogel. Where's Frank Vogel from? Wildwood Crest. You sure about that? I'm totally sure about okay. that. <laughs> we had, there was a big social media discussion in, it, on the difference between Wildwood and Wildwood Crest okay. yesterday. That Hopefully I got we don't have to get into those, I sure hope those weeds. Because Darby and Upper Darby will take us somewhere I don't even want to go. <laughs> Uh, who was once a Sixers assistant and um, was part of a title with the Lakers in 2020. Yes. Okay, those three. Let's... And I would add, add one more. I would add Monty Williams. Oh, Monty Williams. Sure, yeah, who just got uh, who just got let go in Phoenix and yes. did a nice job. All right, put him in the – give me the Mike Sealski. Who do you want? All right, so my top choice actually would be Monty Williams. Really? Yes, for a couple reasons. Number one – coaches a beautiful system of basketball. If you watch the Phoenix Suns play over his three years as their head coach, they moved the ball. They were sharp offensively. Uh, They got open looks. Now, some of that, to a great degree, was a function of the team they had. Chris Paul was their point guard. They had Devin Booker who could shoot. They had other players who were very good offensively. But Monty can really coach offense. Number two, he is well-respected, if not beloved, around this the league, around the NBA. And number three, he has experience with the Sixers and specifically with Joel Embiid. And if the calculation you're making is that we needed to fire Doc Rivers because we need to bring in another coach who can take Embiid, help Embiid get to the very next level, then Williams, I feel like, has a pretty good shot at that. Beyond, behind him, I would have Nick Nurse, who I really like, then Budenholzer, then Frank Vogel. I'm going Nick Nurse okay. um, for a few reasons, one of which is I think he's been the best at defending Embiid. Mm. So I'd like to see – I think he knows Embiid and the game he plays, and if he's that good at defending him, would probably be that good at helping him. Mm. Nick Nurse is not afraid to take players to task. No. No, he's not. In fact, I he kinda got like, – kind of like that. He got criticized in Toronto sometimes for taking players to task before publicly before he had spoken to them yeah, privately. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think he's the most interesting choice, so that's my vote. All right, before we get uh, out for the break, let's talk a little bit. We're going to talk to Daniel Briere, the, the uh, new general. Not he's new, he was interim, but now the official general manager of the Flyers coming up. Um, just kind of your sense of his task ahead. They are rebuilding, and for the first time that I can recall, maybe the first time in their history, they are admitting that they are rebuilding. 
And that puts him and Keith Jones, the new uh, president of hockey operations, and John Tortorello, the head coach, uh, in a very interesting position. And I think there's some skepticism about Danny, if only because he's a former flyer. And people who have followed this franchise for a long time naturally recoil whenever a former flyer is placed in a position of leadership in the organization. I don't know that that's necessarily fair in this situation or accurate, uh, but we're going to ask Danny some questions and uh, push him on some things and see how he responds. He and Keith have a big job ahead of them, and the coach um, and the coach is going to be a big part of it, which we should talk to him about. Restoring the former greatness of a franchise that really lost its direction, it's a huge task and uh, very eager to hear what Dan Breer has to say. 215-592-9494. We promise we've got a lot going on today, a lot of guests, a lot of topics we want to get to. But we, are, we definitely do want to work in your call, so feel free. Just be a little patient if you do. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Well, that was some uh, big-time play from Flyers goalie Carter Hart last year. We are looking forward to more of that in the future. And when it happens, it will be as the organization is headed up by one, Danny Briere. Danny joins us now. Danny uh, played 18 years in the NHL, including six with the Flyers, uh, worked his way up in management here, starting with the Maine Mariners, became special assistant to Flyers GM Chuck Fletcher in 2021. And this March, he became interim GM in May, got the big job. Uh, congratulations, Dan, and thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, guys. So when you came here in 2006, the Flyers' name really meant something. They had a brand. They stood for something. There was a, there was an ethic, yeah. and, and that's kind of faded away. Uh, Keith Jones talked about this, I know, when we had him on and elsewhere. Could you talk a little bit about what it meant to you when you got here and what this team needs to get back? Yeah, I mean, the— uh... You know, the first and foremost important part when, when players are looking um, where they want to play, they, they want an organization that's committed to winning, that's going in the right direction. And and I remember when I was I was looking around, uh, even though the year before had been a terrible year for the Flyers, um, you know, th- there's, a, there's a lot of optimism um, with that team. Mike Richards, Jeff Carter were just – about to come into their own. Um, there, there's something exciting about the future. You still had uh, guys like Braden Coburn uh, on the cusp. You had Scotty Upshaw, Jeffrey Leupold, who had just been traded. And also, uh, just before I signed a few days earlier, the Flyers had acquired the rights to Kimo Tevin and, and, and Scotty Hartnell. So uh, it, it, there was something you could feel it was changing. Also, um, you know, the Flyers were the place where a lot of players wanted to play. And, you know, it started at the top with, you know, Mr. Snyder. It was always known as one of the best organizations in hockey. But, you know, it was a team on the rise. It was a team that players knew you had a chance to win with. And that's what we're, we're trying to build. Like, I, I think, you know, the reputation of the Flyers is still very strong around the NHL as far as how the players are treated, um, the fan base. Uh, how passionate their fans are, um, how uh, the city is, uh, you know, what a great place to play is. But, you know, one of the most important thing is players want to know that they have a chance to win, and that's, that's the part that we need to bring back. Danny, you mentioned the fan base. And in response to your hiring and in response to the hiring of Keith Jones, 
as the president of hockey operations. Uh, Glenn and I, through social media and me through writing about this in the Inquirer, have heard from a lot of fans who are jaded about the idea of, quote-unquote, former Flyers coming back to head the organization. Why? Sh- what is it that you are going to bring to the job uh, that will allow you to be successful? And what will set you and Jonesy apart from this history that a lot of fans seem not to want to have repeated? <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm, I'm someone who've always studied that. That's, um, you know, growing up, uh, even playing throughout my career, um, I was always someone uh, that saw myself one day in management. Uh, I didn't see myself as a coach. I saw myself in management, and I would always be thinking ahead about how to build teams. How did you, um, you know, put things in order to be the most successful? I've always done that. Um, you know, that's what I, I'd always been thinking about. Now, uh, I get the uh, the old Flyers thing. It is part of it. But at the same time, I, I think it can be a positive. Um, I grew up, I, I bleed orange. Um, you know, this is uh, the team when, when I look back on my career where I had the most success. Uh, this is where I had so much fun playing of in front of, um, you know, the, the, the fans being so passionate is is what I love about this city. Um, I know some people make it sound like it's it's a bad thing when when you hear other fan base talk about our fan base, but you know for me I, I want to play or and, and I want to manage in front of fans that care about what I do and that was the best part about playing here. Um, yes, they they can be tough on you, but they care and they care about you know the Flyers. They care about their sports teams in the city and that's what was so cool and why I'm I'm uh, honored. To, uh, to be their man- general manager uh, for the next few years. Danny Breyer is our guest. He is the new general manager of the Flyers. And, Dan, there's something else going on here, which is for, oh, I don't know, over 50 years, uh, I'm not sure this fan base has ever been told it needs to be patient through a rebuild. I, I infer that that's what you've said. That wasn't Ed Snyder's mm-hmm. style, right? It's just like we're going to contend, we're right. going to con- how do you sell this fan base on patience? What what should they expect in the short run, and how long do you expect it to kind of take to turn around? Yeah, well, uh, first of all, I, I think things uh, things have changed. You know, we're, it was different in the '80s and the '90s, and even the two, early 2000s when you could go out and and, and just buy the best players. Uh, unfortunately, now with the salary cap, things have changed, and it's become become tougher to do. Uh, most teams uh, re-sign their, their free agents. They, they don't let them walk away like they used to because the, the players knew they could get more money elsewhere. So, so things have changed, and you have, you have to evolve with, uh, with times. Um, you know, and, and looking around the last few years at how teams have done it, um, it it's really tough to go out and, and just buy free agents to become a powerhouse in the NHL nowadays. So uh, that, that's my belief. I think we, we need to do it from, uh, from the base, built it the right way, um, and, and stop doing some patchwork like we, we've been doing probably the last uh, 10 years around here. Um, you know, it, it just one year in the playoffs, the year the next year missing is, is not good enough. Uh, my goal is to build a team that's going to be a contender for, for years to come and not just a, a one year and then out. Now, as far as the timeline, that's a little tougher. Um, you know, a, a lot of it will depend on how, the development of our uh, draft picks. Uh, it'll depend on uh, the development of 
some of our players that we have here. We have a, a base, a good base of young players, and we're going to give the chance to our young, our young players to develop and, and become uh, key important members uh, of the team moving forward. So it, it's tough to tell at the time on the timeline, but uh, the goal is to do it the right, the right way and build a team that's going to be a contender for years to come. We're talking with Danny Briere, general manager of the Flyers. Uh, Danny, when, when Jonesy was on with us a couple of weeks ago, he spoke openly about the value of what could loosely be called the eye test, that he felt like he and you and John Tortorella had the ability to evaluate either a already established NHL player or a prospect and be able to tell whether that guy had the stuff to be a terrific player in the league. Do, how, do you agree with him, I guess, is what I'm asking. And what does it take, what do you have and Jonesy have and, and John have to kind of be able to evaluate guys in that way? Well, I, yes, I, I agree with Jonesy, but I, I would also say that it's important to, uh, to use analytics as well, um, you know, to, to back it up. Um, we have one of the best analytics team, one of the – you know, probably longest tenured analytics teams um, in the NHL. And we want to keep developing and building uh, that side of our team as well. So, um, I, you know, I don't believe it's just one way or the other. I think it's a combination uh, of different uh, tools that you you can use to make sure that you're acquiring the best players, that you're building uh, the best team, best team, that you're drafting the best players. So um, it, it's going to be a combination of, of many things. Um, you know, I, I believe in our scouts. I believe in our player development uh, guys. Uh, I believe in our analytics department. So those, those will all have to come together to uh, uh, find the best players to be successful. Dan, let's talk about uh, some specifically about some of the players there. And I'm, my opinion, and this is my opinion, is that Ivan Provorov is not developed into the star that we were expecting, or I was expecting anyway. Is there another level he can play, and how do you get him there? Yeah, there, there's no doubt that um, uh, Ivan, uh, the last couple of years, it's been a little tougher. Um, I still believe in him. I think he's still... Um, uh, a very important part uh, of a team. Uh, you know, a, a young defenseman like that that can play uh, on a top pairing. Now, has he been surrounded the, the, the proper way uh, in the last few years? And, you know, the injuries that Flyers have been hit with uh, might have um, stalled his growth. Um, the retirement of Niskanen a few years back, uh, Ryan Ellis uh, being injured. So uh, there's there's been a probably a little bit of luck not going his way. Um, but to me, yes, there's another, there's definitely another step in his game that we're going to try to unlock. Danny, we started this segment playing a highlight from Carter Hart. And one of the ironies of the Flyers in recent years is that they actually have a good young goaltender, which is what they needed year, for years and yeah. years previously <laughs> uh, yeah. to compete for a Stanley Cup. Do you just say to yourself, Carter Hart is our goaltender. We've got that position taken care of. We don't have to worry about it. Or are there possibilities to be explored there? I, I, I would say uh, most likely Carter is going to be our goalie of the future. Now, I'm not in a position to turn down anything. If there's teams calling about him, we have to listen. That's my job as a general manager. I have to listen. I have to do what's best 
for the team um, and the organization. So, um, you know, in saying that, I expect Carter Hart to be our goalie for many years to come. Um, but don't forget, the exciting part uh, with, with the Flyers organization um, is the, the luxury of the goaltending that's coming up through the ranks. Um, you know, Sammy Erson showed last year um, you know, that he can be pretty special himself. Is he a number one goalie? We don't know yet. Um, Felix Sandstrom had a, an up-and-down season last year, but he's still young. We have uh, a couple Russian goalies, um, one that was um, – forced to stay over in Russia. Yeah, we thought he was yeah. coming last year in yep. uh, Ivan Fedotov. But we also have another special goalie in, in Kolosov, who we drafted a couple years ago, who's you know making a name for himself in the KHL. So uh, I, I think it's it's been a while since the Flyers had a plethora of good young goalies coming up the ranks. So I'm, I'm really excited. It's probably uh, one of the strongest parts of uh, our young players coming up is, is the goaltending department. And uh, I want to keep developing that. I want to keep uh, grooming some good young goalies for the future. So, Dan, did I understand it correctly? You like Carter Hart. You like to believe he can be the goalie for the future, but you're not adverse to listening to the possibility of a trade given the depth that you have. Is that a fair assessment? It, it, yeah, and, and it's a fair assessment on anyone on the team. Um, mm-hmm. You know, at the position that we're in right now, we have to listen. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of good young players on our team, but at the same time, if if it's uh, better for the uh, the organization to to move in a different direction, we have to listen. There's there's no one that's above the team, and I'm going to listen on on everyone. Now, um, I, I expect most of our young guys, including Carter Hart, to to be back, but. Um, I have to be fair for the organization and the fans to listen if there's a better offer elsewhere. Dan, last one from me. One of the unusual aspects relative to the rest of the NHL that you guys uh, are doing in your rebuild is the core involvement of, of John Tortorella. We all know that head coaching turnover happens a lot in this league. Guys tend not to stay very long and in particular places, even very successful coaches. It's just the nature of the league. Uh, yeah. But you guys seem to be investing a lot of say-so and power with torts. How, what, it, what will his role be in player evaluation kind of going forward, and how will you and Jonesy and torts manage the dynamic among the three of you when it comes to evaluating players and the roster and all of that stuff? Yeah, um, I'll be honest. I was involved uh, in... Uh, the coaching search last summer and and we thought that uh, what we needed uh, at the moment rebuilding um, the, the the structure rebuilding uh, the culture he calls it the standard I thought he he was the perfect guy for for the job and to me that kind of that that started a, a little bit of uh, our rebuild uh, with John Tortorella and I think it's unfair people assume that John, John Tortorella was uh, a hard coach that just played with his veterans, um, and and we saw the total opposite of that this year. He showed that um, the young guys actually thrived under him a lot more than than the veterans. When you think about the the development of Travis Konechny, of Tippett, of Frost, of Kate, of Cam York, Sam Erson, um, even Carter Hart had had a great year last year. So. Um, you know, it's it was pretty amazing to see, and that's what makes us believe that he's the right guy. And if you look at at the course of his career, yeah, he had the the one blimp 
um, in Vancouver, I believe, where he was only there for a year. But wherever Thorts has been, he, he's been there for for many many years. Uh, you know, New York, uh, Columbus, Tampa Bay, winning the cup there. So he has a really impressive track record. I, I'm not worried about that. He's he's the coach for us. He's what we need at the moment. And at the same time, you want to make sure that. Uh, you give him players that he can work with, that he thinks uh, can help the team. So that's why he's going to be involved in, um, in in talks about player personnel. Danny Breer, last one from me. Uh, you are now the general manager in a town that has a couple other general managers who have had great success. Dave Dombrowski with the Phillies, made the World Series last year. Howie Roseman won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. Have you connected with those guys? I know it's a different sport. It's a different gig. But, is you know, we, we yeah. like to think there's a community among it. Yeah, I, I was, I was, we were trying to get something together. Um, it fell through the cracks, cracks the last uh, couple of weeks, but I, I definitely hope to meet these guys. I'm also uh, a big Eagles fan and a Phillies fan. Uh, I was, I'll be honest, I was an Expos fan um, sure. until they, oh, they left. Yeah. I just could not get myself to become a Nationals fan. So um, I am now a Phillies fan. Uh, you know, I love baseball, football, and, uh, you know, obviously the Sixers as well. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, we're hoping and I'm hoping that I can connect with these guys and, uh, you know, learn a few things from them. We're going to see Danny wearing an Andre Dawson throwback jersey around uh, Borges, I think. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Andre Dawson, Tim Raines. Uh, so some of my favorite. That was a great players. team. That was a great team. Dan, yeah. listen, we we really wish you all the best, uh, and we appreciate um, your candor and and in talking about the team and its future. And um, thanks so much. We look forward to talking to you again. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Right, you got it, Danny. Thanks. Go. Flyers general manager Danny Breer, who's who's just a great guy. Uh, okay, a couple of I, I take two major things out of there, and I'll start with the one that was less surprising, which is mm-hmm. he is telling people like. It, it's not going to be a quick fix. We want to do it right. the right way. We're we're not looking to slap something together. This isn't the NHL of the 90s where Ed Snyder could go out and say, like, you know what, damn it, i got to spend money and get us to be good. That was my favorite part of the interview. He basically said what I've been writing for the last 12 years. It was uh, okay. It was facing reality. And here's the other, him talking about Carter Harkis. This caught uh-huh. me by surprise. I would say uh, most likely Carter is going to be our goalie of the future now. I'm not in a position to turn down anything. If there's teams calling about him, we have to listen. That's my job as a general manager. I have to listen. I have to do what's best for the team um, and the organizations. They are open for business on Carter Hart. Yep. There's no other way to read that. And what you didn't hear was the rest of Danny's answer, which got into the goaltending depth throughout the rest of the organization and the feeling that if they make a move, they feel like they'll be okay, I think, at that position. so Very interesting. Very interesting. 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow, 94, WIP. It is time for me to tell you that if you're tired of dealing with those old, drafty, inefficient windows in your house, maybe it's time you go Gaida. How about that beat-up-looking entry door that you've painted over more times than you can count? Well, go Gaida. If you need added protection from the elements with a new storm door, go Guida. And what about that sliding patio door, the garage door you've been meaning to replace? Go 
Guider. Whatever your home improvement needs are, I suggest you go Guided with the good people at Guided Door and Window. To help you get your project started, Guida is offering 20% off all windows and doors while allowing you to start your project with no money down and up to three full years to pay them off interest-free. That's right. Receive 20% instant savings with the luxury of paying off your project interest-free for up to 36 months. Restrictions apply. Offers for a limited time. So what are you waiting for? It's time you finally go Guida. Call today. Schedule a free home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Yeah. Nice choice there, Dan Wilson. Well done, Danny. I asked Dan to come back with some Tina Turner. Uh, passed away the other day. Uh, all-time, all-time great. First ballot Hall of Famer. Amazing voice. Amazing performer. Saw her in concert one time. Um, just a tremendous show. And listen, these days, putting on a show is the bigger part of it. But she had pipes, and she could she could turn us on. If anyone within earshot of us is near a computer go on youtube at one o'clock <laughs> at one o'clock and search for tina turner mick jagger oh and, yeah, yeah and you will get the performance that they put on at live aid at jfk stadium on july 13th 1985 and it is it's remarkable they do state of shock and it's only rock and roll but i like it and it's in some ways kind of beyond description. It's so good. And he said, there's an interview I saw where he said how much he learned from her. Yes. <laughs> yes. If Mick Jagger's learning from you, you're pretty good. Uh, All right. Yeah. So um, out, off of that, I asked you mm-hmm. to put together your list of the five best female singers. I don't know. Ever. Of your lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are a few... I did my lifetime, which is longer than your lifetime, but I actually didn't go back that far. One of my favorite singers ever was somebody who nobody's going to know in the audience named Etta James. I know Etta James. Okay. But I'm le- not in the audience, though. Yeah, I left her off my list. But mm-hmm. Etta, Etta James is, if you want to hear a great sing and listen to Etta James sing the song at last, uh, Last My Love Has Come Along. But, okay, so we did our five best singers, female singers, and you asked me, are we focusing on the performance or the vocal? Because Tina Turner did both. Mm-hmm. I, I said, let's just form focus on the voice. Yeah. And because, how they do a song. Now. Right, right. Okay. So, for instance, uh, there isn't a member of my generation, and I'm 47 years old, uh, who didn't slow dance at a school dance to Crazy For You by Madonna. Yeah. But Madonna's yeah. not on the list because Madonna doesn't have the vocal chops that some of the other all right let's uh let's hear your your top five go from five to one okay so number five uh and i keep her at five because i don't particularly care for her music and her songs but i can appreciate the fact that she can really sing is christina aguilera okay great singing voice again i don't love her music but you can tell even from songs i don't like that she can sing all right uh number four just because she's a little Nutty, I think, is a person, but can really, really sing, uh, is Mariah Carey. Mm -hmm. Number three is a personal favorite from early in my life, uh, a favorite of several family members of mine, and they got me listening to her music, Linda Ronstadt. Could really, really sing. Love her. Uh, You're No Good. You know, just a sexy song. Met her one time. Yeah. Oh, and uh, I love her stuff. Yeah. Number two, Adele. Hmm. 
who within the last 10 to 15 years uh, has just become a megastar, has the chops, has the voice. Uh, I really like a couple of her songs very much. And number one to me, and maybe I'm wrong, Whitney Houston. I don't think oh, anybody. So Tina comes Turner close. doesn't make the list. Okay. No, I well, I assumed that's fine. Yeah, okay, I didn't put Tina Turner on the list just because I thought we were going with five others. No, I put Tina. her on my list. Okay, uh, I have uh, none. On your list. <laughs> okay. Although Linda Ronstadt and Adele, I think I and Whitney Houston too, all phenomenal. Dan Wilson, you did a list. I did. All so right, let's see if uh, let's see if you and Mike match or you and I have anybody in common. Yeah. So I, I did kind of filter a little younger trying to do it yeah, in my good, lifetime good good um and the criteria i used we didn't specify or when, i guess in when we were prepping for the show we didn't necessarily specify mike kind of had his own criteria i combined the number of things some of it being star power some of it being just how much i liked them some of it actually being the vocal chops so number five i mean i'm not the world's biggest fan of her but she's on tour right now and it's hard to deny her star power or taylor swift I'm, I'm glad a, I, I I don't have her, so I'm glad one of us has. Yeah, like, okay. You know, and she's amazing. Don't don't get me wrong. She's it's just, we're talking. Yeah. I was speaking more about the voice. Sure. So I got Taylor Swift at five. Uh, I learned yesterday actually because I was producing the morning show uh, and in pop culture beat the hammer. Uh, the record for Grammy nominations number four Beyonce has 88 Grammy nominations. So right. I was in a room with Beyonce once. Okay. Uh, she sang at she was the halftime act at the Super Bowl in New Orleans when the 49ers. Uh, lost to the Baltimore Ravens, and they have that press conference uh, in the midweek, and she walked past me, and I almost fell down. I mean, she was just... A star, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, number three, I have Shakira. I just think her vocals are, like, really, really good. Kind uh, of the... Cr- too okay. warbly. Too yeah. warbly. All right, number two, I had Adele also, so mm-hmm. in line with uh, Mike. And then this is going uh, a little bit older, but I think she's just an unbelievable vocalist. I had number one, Aretha Franklin. Wow. There you go. Well, there you go. There All you right, go. So here's mine. Dan Wilson, you impressed me. Okay. Um, and by the way, I, I left people off this list I wanted to put on the mm-hmm. list, including Adele, which you guys have, and I thought Diana Ross was great. I oh, really yeah. wanted to put Diana Ross on. I didn't do it. All right? So my number five is somebody who I don't even know that you guys have heard much. She was an amazing singer for a very short time who had drug issues and ended up passing away. Because I know who of you're going to say. Amy Winehouse. Yeah. Amy Winehouse was a tremendous, tremendous singer. Mm-hmm. Number four, I have one of my own personal favorites, Cheryl Crow. Great. Great. Number three, Tina Turner. Can one of us have Tina Turner on I the list? Th- I Hello. told Mike's logic, too. I We're thought it was like based on her. Tina thought- Turner, and you guys like, well, you know, Beyonce. <laughs> Tina Turner. All right. Uh, my, my number two is Stevie Nicks. Great. Stevie, Stevie Nicks, Nicks great. Fleetwood Mac, and solo Stevie Nicks had an amazing voice. She swished a lot in her music videos, though. You, she would always be wearing like a very flowy outfit, and she would be swishing around in the music videos. <laughs> music videos have zero impact <laughs> on my decision. Uh, number five, Amy Winehouse. Number four, Cheryl Crow. Number three, Tina Turner. Hello. Number two, Stevie Nicks. And the greatest female vocalist of all time, Dan Wilson, you got it on the nose, Aretha Franklin. Nicely done. Aretha Franklin had the greatest voice ever of anybody. I didn't include her only Saw her in concert a couple of times. Saw her in a small concert venue hall one time when I lived in Detroit that they ended up making into an HBO thing that she was on. Nobody could sing a song like Aretha Franklin. I didn't include her only because I considered her uh, outside the scope of my lifetime. That her prime was before I was around. Yeah, but she was she was still doing it when you were around. I mean, well, and those I mean, songs, see, here's the thing. 
those songs are immortal. Oh yes, those that's, songs. That's I mean, fair. you can turn on the radio yeah. and you can, you know, natural woman, woman respect. respect. They'll pay oh. those. So to me, it's like there are there are performers that's before fair. my time who like I'm not going to hear them. There's not a station she, I can find that I can that I going to hear. She's the best them. part of the Blues Brothers movie. Yes, she's absolutely the best part of the Blues. Yeah. You know, sing and think. I mean, come on, it's great. It is great. So uh, anyway, those are our choices. Is it's interesting that we we. The only two performers that were on more than one list is you guys both had Adele, which I respect, and Dan and I had Aretha Franklin. Yeah. Other, so among the three of us, we had 13 different singers. I'm surprised neither of you. And I'm the only one that said Tina Turner. I'm the only one who said Whitney Houston. That surprises me. Yeah, well, I can't argue. I mean, yeah, she deserves. Yeah. Right, I mean, you can make this list 100 people you deep. Could. You so could. So it, it does get into personal favorites, but there you go. Well, that was a fun exercise. It was. It was. Uh, coming up, we are going to chat with Jeff McLean of the Philadelphia Inquirer, who covers the uh, Eagles and has a terrific podcast called Uncovering the Birds, which we want to focus on his latest episode, which is about the challenges of finding a franchise quarterback and how to know that that guy's not going to turn into a head case. The, the entire <laughs> podcast that he's doing is tremendous, but this latest episode about Jalen Hurts is really, really good. All right. Dan Wilson, how do you want to send us out here? Thank you. Best female vocalist ever, Mike Sealski. Get on it. She's great. Dan Wilson, nicely done. 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mac now. 94 WIP. Hurts looks, fakes. Still looking. He is going deep down the far side. And it is A.J. Brown again. Another touchdown. 29 yards. Boom. How about all the people last year who said Jalen Hurts can't throw deep? Well, you know, they're just talking. There's people that like to talk. Three magnificent touchdown passes. Well, With all due respect, Merrill, Jer- Jalen Hurts was not a great deep ball thrower in 2021. He was much better in 2022. I, 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 you, you don't need to argue with Merrill. <laughs> Merrill's not here. I'm calling Merrill after you the show. And we're going at it. I know. Jeff McClain is here. Jeff is the Eagles reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Um, and uh, he's got a podcast, a terrific podcast called Uncovering the Birds. He's nice enough to join us now on this Memorial Day weekend. How you doing, Jeff? Glenn and Mike, uh, how you guys doing? Thanks for having me. We're doing great. Hey, by the way, before we get to it, we were just uh, talking. Uh, did you, you prompted him on this, Dan? He's good? Okay. We were having a debate uh, in the light of the passing of the of Tina Turner on the greatest female vocalists we've ever heard. Do you have an opinion on this important matter? <laughs> uh, I, I, You know, all of a sudden, I mean, I do have ones that always come to my mind, and then I have, like, personal faves that I, I'm sure probably don't even kind of fall on maybe your radar, but... You know, if you're, at, if you're asking the greatest, I think Aretha Franklin's probably no brainer. Thank you. Nina Simone's uh, yeah. Nina, Nina another one that I oh, think is like a Oh, good there. one. Good call. Good one. And uh, I, I like, uh, you know, uh, Nico Case and, and uh, Jillian Welch are two singers that I love. They're they're kind of like country-ish, but um, uh, alternative country singers. All right, cool. Yeah, I, I had to struggle to keep Alison Krauss out of my top five. All right, all right. She's, she's a great one. Natalie Means from the Dixie Chicks. She's she got an unbelievable voice. Very so, good. But, Oh, right. uh, but um, um, what's your name? Uh, Boys, we're, uh, get, we're getting into the weeds here, yeah. fellas. Oh, yeah. All right, <laughs> we did good. You did good. When you started with Aretha, that was good. All right. Uh, before we get into the most recent 
episode of your podcast, which focuses on finding that franchise quarterback. Let's just spend a couple minutes about what's going on now, which isn't much. Uh, I know OTAs, uh, what, only two open to the, the press and uh, then nothing till the next week of June. But there's there's a couple stories which are kicking around out there. One is the, the popular story now is, you know, this is going to be the year of N'Kobe Dean. Um, what do mm-hmm. you anticipate being his role? What is what is he going to have to – what's he going to be expected to do this coming season? Well, I mean, it sounds like he's going to be he's going to be expected to step in and be the Mike, um, and uh, in some ways, be I wouldn't say the leader of the defense, but uh, you know, the guy's going to call the plays and and line the line the front the front seven up, and um, you know, fill some pretty big shoes if you ask me and T.J. Edwards. Um, and and I know that uh, we had glimpses last last year of what he could do, and certainly in the college game, uh, high expectations based upon that. Uh, but he's got he's got to go out there and do it. And, um, you know, there was a lot written certainly when he fell into the third round. A lot of people haven't had as a first-round pick, and the Eagles got great value. Um, but he still couldn't get on the field last year, and for the most part. And that's not his fault. But, um, you know, I, I think sometimes with these young linebackers, and it's a position that is one of the more difficult to really kind of transition from the college game to the pros. And I know Georgia played a pretty sophisticated scheme. Um it's still going to be, uh, you know, a learning curve for him, I think. And I think, you know, I don't think it's an automatic that he's going to all of a sudden step in there and be the guy. But um, that being said, uh, a lot of talent, a uh, smart guy. Uh, he should be able to at least handle um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of that role. How about Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter, Jeff? One of the things that the Eagles do, you know this as well as anybody, is they – they draft almost in some situations to redshirt, and that's certainly what they did with Davis last year. Now he got hurt, obviously, uh, but he's been—he's got a year under his belt. Uh, they're going to need mm-hmm. him to take on a greater workload, and I think there are a lot of questions about Jalen Carter in terms of how much is he going to play, uh, you know, maturity issues, all that kind of stuff. Where do you see those two guys? Yeah, I mean, your last two picks, first-round picks, first picks have been expended on the interior defensive line. And at some point, uh, and I think in John Carter's case, he's, you know, he's, they're going to need him to, to produce right away because you, in a lot of ways he's the replacement for Javon Hargrave. Now, I think you'll still see Jordan Davis as the kind of the, the starter uh, at nose when they're in 3-4 uh, front um, or 2-5, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, you know, he played a fair amount for a rookie, uh, but essentially in a role that he played in in college to – Justify the you know the draft expense uh, expenditure moving up for him. He's got to be a three down guy. He's got to be able be able to produce some on pass rush downs. Now you have Fletcher Cox still, and you and who can do that. And you, I think Milton Williams is probably more of a pass rush guy, maybe than a run run down guy. Um, but you know a lot of as you as you mentioned, a lot of questions still I think remain about Jordan Davis and whether he was worth ultimately that that selection. Still young, though. Got plenty of time to, to work into that, develop into being, you know, worth what they had um, what they had risked on, on drafting him. Jalen Carter, I, I think there's probably a little bit, of, even though he's yet to play in the NFL, I think there's maybe uh, not as much projection with him um, in terms of what he did and what you saw on film. I don't think there are really many questions about this guy should be able to step in and contribute right away. The, the issues with him, as we all know, are there's, there's, there's some concerns about maturity and, and being able to kind of do all the necessary things you have to do to, to be a pro. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there are question marks definitely up front. All right. I am changing the topic, and we're going to transition it with this. Yeah, well, guess which way it went. It all went bad for Carson Wentz. <laughs> it did. So that's from your podcast, Uncovering the Birds, which is excellent. By the way, it, it, you, it really, I just want to tell you, several episodes helped me get me through a seven-hour plane flight a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Well, that's that's the goal there. Uh, yep. and, and you do a great job with it. It's different from a lot of podcasts in that it's not just you blabbing. It's like you're doing great interviews in it. Uh, the latest one covers the Eagles quarterback saga, really how they've been looking for a quarterback since Donovan McNabb left. And you start with Marty Morningweg, uh, who, by the way, he's got a high level of excitement when he talks. It was uh, Marty. Marty's the best. And yeah. then all of a sudden, like, we go off the record and he's, like, whispering. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, it's how he was the one, and I didn't know this, he was kind of the one who scouted Hertz first and saw something in him. Um well, what it, yeah, uh, yeah. There, he was he was someone that they – I mean, there were obviously so many other people that were involved in okay. that. Marty was just one of the guys that they went to, uh, and, and obviously they trusted his voice just because of his experience with quarterbacks. When they drafted Jalen, it obviously raised eyebrows, to put it mildly. It came after uh, Wentz had signed that four-year, $128 million extension. What were the Eagles – what was the Eagles' goal when they drafted Hurts? Yeah, I mean, uh, as Marty explained on the podcast, and we, you know, it's been reported before. I mean, Howie's even come out and said it that, you know, they looked at Carson and the number of snaps that he had had in playoff games. They played in nine playoff games over that span, and he'd only he'd only played um, six uh, nine snaps, or maybe it was well, I forget the number of playoff games, but from 2017 to 2019, he'd only played in nine nine snaps. So this was a guy obviously that was getting hurt every year, and they they were kind of went you know they watched that game against the Seahawks when Carson went left early with a concussion, and Josh McCown went in and got, God bless his soul, uh, he tried the best he could, but he just he couldn't perform at the level they needed uh, to get them over the hump there, and they said well we need a better alternative, and uh, they saw Jalen Hurts as potentially that that at, at a price that was still even though it was a second rounder, <clears throat> still cheaper than you would normally pay for. A back, you know, season backup like they just did with Marcus Mariota, and also a guy that they liked and that they thought they could develop. And and if Carson ends up being the guy, then um, and and even uh, during the length of Jalen Hurts' rookie contract, maybe you know at some point he's going to probably play. You probably could turn him into um, you know a second rounder or in return, maybe even a first rounder if he goes out there and performs well. We've seen the Eagles do that effectively before in trading quarterbacks. Um, they, look, but you know, and you know, I even said to Marty at one point, I said, "Well, you know, um, they didn't expect him to be this." He's like, "Well, you know, because they would have drafted him in the first round." He's like, "Well, no, there's still where, where you think you can get him. If you're going to get him, the, you can get him in the second or third round. Why wouldn't you wait until then?" Um, so that is to the Eagles' credit. But I, I you know, um, even up until last off season, there were still concerns, and they were still searching for other quarterbacks, and they entered into the you know Russell Wilson. Um, sweepstakes, and, and they had entertained the idea of dra- uh, trading for Deshaun Watson. Um, I'm not t- taking anything away from from the organization. That's their job. They're doing their due diligence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think they saw this happening quite quickly, or even even happening at all. Yeah. Well, so so here's the thing, Jeff, and this is something that you know 
your podcast and your interview with Marty raises, which is one of my contentions in evaluating the way the Eagles put so much weight on the quarterback position is it's not just that they think it's the best way to win games in the league, which they clearly do. They want to, Jeffrey Lurie wants to get a franchise quarterback. He, want, he thinks that's the best way to go about winning a Super Bowl. But he also wants to make money. These guys want to make money. And you go after Russell Wilson in part because Russell Wilson is an established star in the NFL. And now that you they have Jalen Hurts, I'm curious kind of your perspective on Hurts, not just as a quarterback, but as the face of the franchise. He's such a serious guy. Uh, what's, your, what's your perspective on how he will fi- fulfill and handle that aspect of his job? <laughs> Pretty cynical take of you there, Mike. Um, <laughs> a little bit. I know, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, obviously, yeah, big speaker. I remember when Howie Roseman, you know, got the motor and he came back and he said, I learned a lot. One was that we got to really invest in the quarterback position. Well, yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, big that secret. Groundbreaking um, but there. Yeah. Have done a, they've done a very good job at that. I don't know if they're quite the quarterback factory that Howie Roseman said they wish to become, but um, Jalen does check off a lot of those boxes. And, you know, they thought that Carson did. In some ways he did. Carson was, um, you know, the guy that would go out in um, terms of, like, putting his face out there at charities, build a foundation up, um, spend time after practices with, with kids that were disabled, or, you know, like, does all that stuff. And Jalen uh, certainly um, does that all as well. And he does not kind of in a, in a with a cool uh, swab. You know, he's got this coolness about him. Um but he's very relatable, um, I think, to some extent. In some ways, he isn't. I mean, I don't know how relatable, you know, franchise quarterbacks can be when there's only so a handful of them in, in, the, in the league, in the world, uh, mind you. Um, but, yeah, Jalen is, you know, so many admirable traits, his work ethic, uh, you know, what he, empowering women in sports, and you know, all of his team is, is, is composed of females. Um there's a lot to like about Jalen, uh, what he's given back to the community. He's done a lot of stuff for the, with the Eagles organization. I think at some point you'll probably see him um, create his own foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and that is all part of it. And that's, you know, something Jeffrey Lurie spoke about. Um, but ultimately it's about his performance on the field. And that's why they gave him $255 million. And that's the reason why you know, they guaranteed $110 million of it. Um, they think that this guy is going to be uh, the future um, there are some uh, caveats in that contract and that deal, uh, certainly to help them uh, in case the stuff doesn't pan out here over the next few years. There are some, still some question marks, I think, about Jalen. Um, but as Marty spoke passionately about on the podcast, and he basically was the biggest cheerleader, I think, for, for Jalen, even in his rookie season and has been since then. Uh, and I really – he's one of the guys I trust most when, you know, Andy Reid's obviously a little ahead of him, but Marty's right there with him, and he learned a lot from Andy in terms of the quarterback position. He believes that this guy, that there is no um, feeling for him, possibly. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, it's a fascinating podcast, and people really should listen to it. Uncovering the Birds. Where do they find it, Jeff McClain? Uh, anywhere. Uh, Apple, wherever you get podcasts, Spotify. Obviously, you can go to the inquire.com page. Odyssey is a partnership with us, uh, and they're the ones who are doing a lot of production on it. And the final episode, at least for the first season, drops uh, next uh, Wednesday on Sean Desai. Uh, the Eagles' new defensive coordinator, and you know we're 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 getting very good response. We're getting a, a lot of positive feedback, and the expectation is that we will have future seasons. 
good. You should. It's really good. The Chip Kelly one also was was terrific. I listened and, to that. And one. I I recommend the one Jeff did on Carrie Williams. Yeah. Uh, some some intense sconce discussion on it, but in all seriousness, <laughs> well, it was, and, and Riley, but uh, well, Riley Cooper, Riley Cooper, yeah, I know you're joking, yeah. yeah. All right, well, listen, keep it up, and uh, good call with Nina Simone there too. All right, thanks guys, right, thanks Jeff. See you soon. All right, good stuff. Yeah, very good stuff. Uh, and that podcast where you know talks about Wentz, and they thought it was all right, and then it went sour, and then you get hurt, and you never, you just never know. I mean, it's so. He's it's still this so kid weird. seems as safe a bet in terms of the person. Yeah. Right, the player, so far so great, but the person I feel pretty secure. I, I just still as, a, as solid a guy as there I, is. I can't wrap my head around how this all happened. Where they were the seeds, they were the seeds of their of their mm. own destruction and redemption by drafting him. Yeah, if they yeah, hadn't it's true. drafted it's him, true. Oh, good line. You know, they Carson. Who knows what would have happened yeah. with Carson Wentz? But they wouldn't have had Jalen Hurts. Real quick, because I do want to get some callers here. One of the things that Jeff mentioned in the podcast, I didn't. I was unaware of is one of the things they believe that they screwed up, Roseman screwed mm-hmm. up with, with Wentz, is they decided when he was late to a practice one time to give him a police escort to games which they had never done with anybody else before and realized in hindsight, like, nah, they, sh- they, they thought that a guy that. They thought that a guy who wore Levi's and camouflage and hunted his own dinner would be tough enough to fill it elsewhere. And you know what? He wasn't. Yeah. Eric in Maryland, thanks for holding. You're on with Mike and Glenn. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, Eric. Hi, Eric. All right, how are you guys doing? Terrific. Uh, so let, let, let's get the singers list out of the way. I got number one, Aretha. Number two, Mariah. Number three, Whitney. Number four is, uh, uh, my goodness, oh, I just had her. I don't know, uh, but well, your number, your one, two, three is pretty solid. Well, yeah, that, so, that's yeah. that's a good middle of the order right there, so Eric. Let, let, yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's no, a slugger's no, no. roller. So let's talk about yeah, the Phillies. Number, number four is huh? Celine, and number five is Angela Wimbush. But I wanted to talk about Aaron Nola. Um, I mm-hmm. think the, the I think the Phillies uh, really were smart to not um, give him his extension. I think that um, you know he's had a, a good career for the Phillies, but kind of like Joel Embiid, like he had a good series last year. But outside of that, like he really hasn't lifted them up. Um, you know, he eats innings, he takes care, he makes his starts and all of that. But I just really thought that Aaron Nola would always kind of project to be like a real true, like number one, number one. And thus far in his career, he's kind of been like a, a third starter. Uh, well, hold, hold, hold on, Eric, and, and thank you for the call. I think he's been better than a third starter, Glenn. I think we can all agree on that. Has he pitched well this season? No. Did he pitch well at the end of last season in the last couple starts in the World Series? No. But he is reliable. He shows up every fifth day. He's better than a number three starter. He's he's yeah. a 1A or a 2 uh, and has been pretty much his entire career. As far as extending him, I think the Phillies would like to extend his contract. The two sides couldn't agree, and now all the risk is on Aaron Nola here. I mean, he's not pitching well in a contract year. No. So... Who knows? Maybe he's back at less money than the Phillies thought they would have to pay him. Maybe. It, but the, it, even if he has a bad year, starting pitchers who can give you 200 innings are such a rarity these days mm-hmm. that he's going to cash. But, yeah. 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 I'd rather you have a great year and the Phillies bring him back. Not sure either of those is going to happen. There was a question on this station uh, this week. Who would you sooner hand a $200 million contract to, Aaron Nola or James Harden? Oh, gosh, Nola. Nola, too. Oh, yeah, gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. John and Maniunk is with us. Hey, John. Hey, Glenn. Hey. 
If Ray's listening, I know Linda Ronstadt is his number one. Oh, like my that's goodness. Right. Not only is she his number one, she will, should have cracked my list. I, Man, I don't know why that didn't occur to and me. And, John, I did not include Linda Ronstadt on my list because of Ray. I just I just like her that much. He owes her that much. <laughs> oh, that's a good call, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Ray always loved her. I love her, too. She's a beautiful woman. Yeah. Great singer. Yeah. But uh, on the Phillies here now, like um, – like, uh, Every fifth day, having a bullpen uh, start, I mean, they have to get a fifth starter somehow. Is Mick Abel doing any good down in the minors? They have to get, bring, give someone a shot because uh, maybe you can uh, stretch Strom out. I don't know. Uh, well, they don't want to stretch Strom out because whatever he pitched last year, say he pitched 70 innings, they don't mm-hmm. want him to pitch 170 innings. So they're going to try to they, – they, they feel they have to limit him. I don't know that. I think McGarry is the guy in the minors who is most likely to come up I next. I think so, yeah. I, I can tell you in tomorrow's show, I've got Scott Lauber who knows all of that. Um, I don't think, I think that the help may have to come in a trade. And then the point is, Mike, at what point do they make a trade saying we, we're good enough to give up future assets to help us now? Yeah, that's Because you don't do that when you're 21 and 23 or whatever they are. No, and that's why you hire a guy like Dave Dombrowski to make that kind of judgment. Uh, remember, too, that Jose Alvarado and Andrew Bellotti both are on the disabled list. Uh, so you hope, at a minimum, that Alvarado comes back uh, because he's your best reliever by a long shot, by, by you know leaps and bounds. So, uh, again, the bullpen is an issue because the starting rotation is an issue. That's the biggest thing to me is that you're taxing the bullpen because your starters aren't going deep in the game. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four with Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Mack now. Ninety four WIP. All right. Well, we're watching sponsored by Got a Door and Window. Receive twenty percent off all windows and doors with no money down. Up to three years to pay it off, interest free. Call Got a Door and Window today. One eight seven seven Go Got or visit them at go g u i d a dot com. So. I'm watching a couple of shows that either I've talked about or in uh, seasons four, but you started watching something new. I did. I did. What are you watching? I am watching a comedy series on Apple TV called Platonic. Uh, Just came out, only three episodes in. Uh, I've watched the first two. And it stars Seth Rogen, who I assume most people are familiar with, long career in comedy movies. I'm a big fan. And he co-stars with Rose Byrne, who also is a big name. Uh, lately was has been in a couple of different streaming series. Physical, I think, was one. She really kind of came onto the scene in Bridesmaids. She plays kind of the snotty bridesmaid who is Kristen Wiig's uh, kind of foil throughout the movie. Yeah, she's very good at that. She's really good. She's very funny, very talented. And the premise of the show is that she and Seth Rogen were best friends, not romantically involved, just really, really close friends. They fall out of contact because Seth Rogen uh, meets a woman and gets married, and Rose Byrne's character doesn't like his wife. And then Seth Rogen gets divorced, and Rose Byrne's character reaches out to him, and they kind of resume their friendship and resume the hijinks that that were once part of their friendship. And Rose Byrne is terrific. She's very funny. She has great comedic timing. She is the reason to watch the show. Mm -hmm. This is Seth Rogen as we've seen Seth Rogen for the millionth time. It is 
<laughs> you know, 40-year-old virgin. It is knocked up. It is the same guy I, that I, he I, plays. I, I like that Seth Rogen. i tired of that Seth Rogen. Okay. And what I can't get past in the first couple of episodes is the Rose Byrne character is married with three kids and living kind of this very domesticated, normal life. The Seth Rogen character owns a brew pub and is recently divorced and is kind of a goofball. The show has not established at all how these two people could possibly be best friends. There's no explanation for it. You're just supposed to take on faith that Rose Byrne and Seth Rogen were once tight as, you know, tight as could be, Mm -hmm. and they fell out of their friendship fell apart, and now it's getting back together. And it's like, well, why were they friends in the first place? They seem like two completely different people. Were, did they grow up together? Did they go to college together? What happened here? And the other aspect of it too, Glenn, is that Apple has produced some really good comedies. Sure. Shrinking, Ted Lasso, shows that make you laugh but that also have soul. Mm-hmm. This show doesn't have that. It just It's kind of like it's one joke after another, not all of them land. A few of them are funny, but it's like, okay, well, what's the point? Like, is there, I don't care about any of these characters. So the show doesn't work if you don't care about the characters. Yeah, so I'm giving it two stars out of four. I'm going to keep watching it to see if it gets better because there's only three episodes that are available so far, but the first two really did not grab me. Okay. Um, I'm watching The End of Succession, which has mm-hmm. one week to go, which is, to me, an all-time top ten show. Uh, who is going to run the Empire? This, what I'm about to say will only mean something to people watch the show. I think it's going to be none of the three kids. I'm going to go with the 100 to 1 underdog, that ah, Jerry. Okay. Jerry, she's going to end up running it. Just store that away for future reference. Okay. I'm also watching the final season of Barry, mm. the, um, the, the very, very dark comedy. It's always been kind of, kind of bonkers, but this year has gotten just really weird. It's on HBO. Or, or Max. I have no idea what HBO is doing now, with it. Yeah, it's changing well, its branding. So stupid. There, there's nothing that people know more than HBO. No. HBO is a legendary brand. Why in the world would you change it? I don't understand what they're doing. But anyway, um, John Hader always wanted to direct a horror movie, and this year he's kind of doing it within the show. Mm-hmm. But it's it's nuts, and it's that also has one episode to go. So I'm kind okay. of focusing on those two. I watched about 20 minutes last night of um, White House Plumbers. Okay. The HBO, or again, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> um, series about Watergate mm-hmm. uh, with Woody Harrelson. I stopped watching because my, my wife fell asleep. She didn't fall asleep because of the show. She okay. fell asleep because she had a long day yeah. uh, taking care of a three-year-old all day. And um, But I, I'm going to... Put that back. That looks promising. I mean, next week I may review White House Plumbers. Well, you're not going to be able to watch it on Thursday night of next week because you have an event oh, coming Oh, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yes. So, actually, yeah, let's just spend a minute on this. Uh, our, our dear friend Ray Didinger uh, has a, again, his great play, Tommy and Me, is out with a kind of a new run. Mm-hmm. This one is different. It's the Bucks County Playhouse, and there's a whole new cast so Thursday night, you did the talkback. I, I was did. scheduled to do the talkback. I had the stomach virus from hell. Thank you for stepping up sure. and doing it. So I'm going to take your spot next week. Yeah, tell us about uh, what you saw. Well, it was it was terrific, as usual. And uh, the headliner in the new cast is an actor named Gordon Clapp, who many of our audience may know if you were a fan of NYPD Blue and throughout the 1990s. 
He was Detective Greg Metavoy yeah. on NYPD Blue. And the catcher in 8 Men Out. That's right. He played Ray Shawk. He's not going to get bribed. No, no way. He was the one guy on the team who really yeah. couldn't be bought or sold. Uh, so the production was great, and the fun part about doing it this past Thursday was that the four McDonald children were there to see it, and they joined Ray and me and the cast for the talk back afterwards. But the really funny part was the people in the audience had no questions for the McDonald family and no questions for the cast. Yeah. They all wanted to talk I've to Ray. I've been at those. They always want to talk to Ray. Yeah. yeah. Which, hey, it's, Ray created this work of art, so mm-hmm. they want to talk to him. I'm, I'm very eager to see it with a new cast, a new director. You've seen you've seen the version before. Yeah. Very it, different? It's, it's a little different. Yeah. And I don't want to spoil it yeah, for I'm anybody. I'm nervous about that. I wanted Because yeah. I, I, I always loved it. Anyway, you should go. Uh, you can get tickets at the Bucks County Theater, BucksCountyPlayhouse.org. And, uh, again, if you go this coming Thursday, assuming that stomach virus doesn't find me again, I will be hosting the talk back. Let's go to Rob in Delco. You're on with Mike and Glenn. Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? Hey, hey Rob. Rob. Hey, listen, I, I got a, a couple main disagreements with your list, but, you know, that's what the list are all about. Uh, who do we leave off? That- Just give us one or two that we didn't consider. Okay. I, I can't believe Celine Dion is it 1 or 1A. One yeah. I go by people, and this is what I go by. Do they sound as good in concert as they do on the radio? Because there's some people that sound darn good on the radio, and they don't sound nearly as good in concert. And to me, she is. And I don't think she's my style. Music you know what my say. thing is with Celine Dion? If this what? is, I love her voice, but I don't like her songs. Yeah, yeah. she's she's only ever had one song that I could tolerate. It wasn't the Titanic? Song. No, it wasn't the Titanic one. I forget the name of it, but yeah. it was written. I know it was written by Jim Steinman, who was the guy who did all of. Meatloaf's music. Oh, yeah. He wrote one song for her. And by the way, I you know you wish her the best. She's got some real illness now that keeps her from uh, performing, uh, which uh, is which is a shame. Oh, I didn't know that. that yeah, is a shame. I hope yeah. she hopes she does. But I'm just saying, she's a hit notes that her and Whitney hit notes I just never had oh. heard before. Um, and I got one. I would have it. I had an Aguilera three and a four. I'd have because I think besides she's beautiful. I love Carrie Underwood. Just her voice. That's a good one. Okay, that's a good one. Just what do you voice. got about the uh, Phils or the Sixers? Okay, real fast on the fills. Uh, I hope this is a wake-up call for Trey Turner, which just gets me upset with guys like Turner and Schwarber or, ah, uh, they're June guys, or they, or they start late. Well, these games in April and May, when you're wasting 45, 50 games until you get going, it can't happen with guys that are making 100 or what's Schwarber, 80 million and, and Turner 300 plus million. I'm sorry, these guys just don't have that kind of leeway with me. I know they can't be great to jump every time because no one's perfect. But it's just taking these guys that are making too much money too long to get going. Too yeah. long to get going. All right. So, I, I hear you. I appreciate it. He wants it now. I, he's, he's not wrong. Neil in East Norristown is with us. Neil, did you hear the Danny Briere interview? What did you think? I did. And it was a tremendous interview. I have to give you guys mad props. It was excellent. Well, thank you. Thanks, Neil. And, and I'm excited any time of year that the station or the city wants to talk flyers. Um, I understand that you guys have time constraints. I think the one question I would have loved to heard Briere's answer from, and as a matter of fact, I haven't heard Tortorella, Keith Jones, or Danny address this at all. As a fan, I'm a little disappointed that Gauthier is going back to BU next year. Um, He was there one year last year, dominated. He's currently dominating at the World Championships against 75. He's leaning and scoring last I saw. Yeah, he, and, and he's playing against NHL players. If you look at that U.S. roster, um, it, it's, it's three-quarters um, NHL players, obviously 
players that don't make the playoffs go to the world championships. Um, Two-parted question for both of you guys. Have any of the holy trinity of Tortorella, Jones, and Briere, um, was this their decision? What it, was it Cutter Gauthier's decision? By the way, I just and, need to correct you on one thing, and it's, it, it breaks my heart to do so. Cutter Gauthier is not at BU, which I wish he was, because I went to BU, <laughs> and I root for BU. He's at the Evil Empire of Boston, Boston College. College. But oh, yeah. my, you know what? My mistake. That's, that's, that's that. okay. That's that's one thing I know just because of that. So your question was, have have they have they done well, what? Have they? It, it seems weird. It almost when I I read a lot of flyer stuff. Obviously, it almost looks like it was Cutter Gauthier's decision to go back to college. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the Flyers organization address it as of yet. Yeah, I um, I, I don't know. I got I got to move, but I appreciate the call. I I can't answer that. I I really. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm calling up an article here in which he announced that he was coming back for his sophomore season. Um, he doesn't really give much of an explanation for it. Uh, so, I don't know. Maybe he just really likes college. Maybe he feels like another year would do him some good. Yeah, he is at Boston College. Blow that pop stand. <laughs> you have to understand where I come from. You're right? a loyal alum, my friend. I am. The red and the white, the terriers. My wife is a Terrier alum. I'm well aware. We had a lovely conversation you, about you that. Did. When you were nice enough, you and your wife, we went to dinner at Bridget's in Ambler and had a lovely dinner. And at the end, the check came. And the Sealskis picked up the check. That, my friend, was a unexpected, unnecessary, and much appreciated gesture. Well, I, I look forward to returning that. I, I try to buy off my radio partner every chance you I You did a fine job of it. 215-592-9494. Sal, Robert, Joe, we see you guys there. We will get you coming right up with Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Mack. Now, hey, are you tired of dealing with those old drafty, inefficient windows in your house? Maybe it's time you go guide a, How about that drafty, beat-up-looking entry door? Man, you've painted that thing so many times. Hey, go guide a. If you need added protection from the elements, new storm door, go Guida. What about that sliding patio door, the garage door you've been meaning to replace, go Guida. Whatever your home improvement needs are, I suggest you go Guida with the great people at Guida Door and Window. Now, you get your project started here. Guida is offering 20% off all windows and doors. They are going to allow you to start your project with no money down and up to three full years to pay it off interest-free. That's right. Receive 20% instant savings with the luxury of paying off your project interest-free for up to 36 months. Restrictions apply. Offers for a limited time. What are you waiting for? It's time you finally go guide a call today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guide or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. By the way, that voice is uh, Emily Messina, who is the radio voice of the Reading, Reading Fight and Fills. That was last year. And Andrew Painter was... Oh, making people think he's the future of the Philadelphia Phillies. He may be, but as you recall, March, he was diagnosed with a torn UCLA. UCLA. UCL. UCLA's been torn ever since uh, Bill Walton left. The decision was to uh, arrest him totally for a month, try to avoid Tommy John. Um, So Dr. Mark Pollard, our friend from Cooper Bone and Joint, joins us now. Uh, Doc, first of all, uh, how are you? We wish you the best uh, for the Memorial Day weekend and a happy summer. I'm doing great. Thank you very much. Good. You guys are doing the same. We are. Uh, All good here. The good news is there's really no uh, current injuries to talk about, so that's a good thing sometimes. Uh, So we figured we talked about Andrew Painter a little bit, and I know these questions may skew more for a physical therapist than an orthopedic surgeon, but we see he's now throwing 
a little bit. He did a side session the other day. They're doing a thing where he, he goes on the mound. They move the, the catcher halfway up, so he throws 30 feet and then 40 feet and then 50 feet. Our question to you is a guy who is kind of dealing with this UCL, thank you, injury in his pitching arm, how do you build him up? What do you what do you look for? What do you worry about as you do it? Well, you know, it's a it's a ligament injury, so you're kind of trying to wait for the ligament to to heal and settle down. You know, theoretically, it's a an injury that the uh, the ligament, the which is a rope that connects two bones together, essentially, that the rope is intact. It's just perhaps stretched a little bit, but the fibers are intact. You want to give it enough time to heal. But then, you know, after you've rested it and given it time to uh, heal up, uh, you also want to strengthen it and, and get it moving. And so you're going to look for, you know, t- the big thing is tenderness. You know, as he's trying to increase his activities, you want to make sure that he doesn't have any setbacks as far as soreness in the area. That's oftentimes the first sign that you have something going on in the area. And beyond that, it's going to be how he progresses as far as his velocity and uh, control are concerned. And so I'm sure all those things are getting looked looked at as he's going through his uh, short tossing to long tossing and stuff like that. So, um, you know, you just kind of take everything uh, and see what kind of progression he's making. Dr. Ranger Suarez also had a UCL strain, and he's back in the rotation and has not pitched well, uh, which I suppose shouldn't be surprising because in some ways he's pitching his way back into shape. Is there any kind of timeline at that stage of, I don't even know that you can call it rehabilitation because he's actually pitching for the Phillies, but is there a way to gauge how long it might take Suarez to really get back to being close to the guy he once was? Um, it's very difficult because obviously each of these you need to take you know as an individual uh, injury and everybody's got a different timeline that they go through. Um, clearly, if he's back pitching at the major league level, they think that things have healed to the point that he can tolerate that kind of activity. Uh, but, you know, where the rubber meets the road is how he performs. And so, you know, you're asking, if, is there like a, a cutoff date? Like is either he's going to sink or he's going to swim. And, you know, th- there really isn't one. Again, you just kind of monitor their progress. Yeah. Dr. Mark Pollard, any big plans for the Memorial Day weekend? Big barbecues? You going to be there behind the grill? What's going on? Uh, yeah, I will be at the end of the weekend. I'm quite sure. Good, always good. Hey, a pleasure talking <laughs> to you. Thanks so much. We'll get we'll catch up with you soon. All right, thanks so much. Thank you, Doctor. Doctor Mark Pollard and our friend for Cooper Bone and Joints. So this is what Andrew Painter did the other day. Uh, according to uh, the manager, Rob Thompson, mm-hmm. he threw a, a side box. You ever a hear side that box? A side is box. that like a side car? I, I don't think it is. Uh, so here's what it is. Um, this is what Rob Thompson said. You can do it a couple of ways. You can be on the rubber and move the catcher up, or you can go halfway down the slope and the catcher's behind the plate. He did half and half. So he was on the rubber with the catcher up for 10 pitches, then move halfway down, move the catcher back for 10 pitches, said Painter feels great. No timetable for his return, but the Phillies hope, this is the important part, He'll be ready to contribute to the big league club around midsummer at the earliest. So, oh. all right. So let's say, honestly, what are we talking? July fifteenth. Yeah, yeah. That's a good good date. Could use him. Sure, could use him. They were counting on him so much. Too much. It, yeah, I think nineteen I think years a old. Bit. Way I think too a much. A little bit. Yeah. As Robert De Niro would say, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Sal and Marlton joins us. What are you thinking about the Phillies these days, Sal? Well, as long as that guy that went to UCL, University of California, La Jolla, <laughs> yeah. we're good. I don't 
don't know why I did that, but there you have it. No, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I think if Trey Turner comes around quicker than Castellanos did, they'll be fine. I mean, that lineup is just unbelievable. Should be unbelievable. And, yeah. and uh, you know, there's there's the, the cliche that you're going to end up playing like the back of their baseball card. Mm-hmm. And I'm not right. – listen, I said, you know, they have a 40% chance to make the postseason. Mike said 60%. So yeah. we're not that far apart. But, of course, that 50% is the, is the number. What do you yeah. think? Where are you? I think they are. I think they are. I think they're going to. I, I, I think I like the makeup of the team, and I think you're going to have ups and downs with the bullpen, but they've been mostly up. And it's it's guys hitting, you know, with people on base, and I think that'll come around as their averages Yeah, I think, I think that's a function of luck as much as anything. Yeah. What worries me, you mentioned the bullpen. The bullpen has generally been pretty good. Yeah. yeah. The, ro- the rotation's been the disaster. Yeah, that, exactly. That would be the concern on – Thank two you, ends there, Sal. One, that the rotation isn't pitching well. And two, because it isn't pitching well, you're using the bullpen more and tiring out the bullpen. So yeah. um, that rotation better get right. Yeah. And and they have the credentials to do it. Yeah. Nola you, and Wheeler should both be much right. better than they are. Right. Suarez should eventually be better than he has been. Well, Suarez I worry about just because coming off an injury, he looks mm-hmm. bad. So is he still dealing with yeah. the injury? Fair. Anyway. And, and uh, uh, Taiwan Walker has looked better the last couple starts. I need at least that good. Yeah, yeah. He's He's been a disappointment, absolutely. Uh, who's next? Joe in Valley Forge is with us. Hey, Joe. Hey, how you doing, guys? It's high noon, and I like to say two words, Barbara Streisand. Yeah. Ah. No, can I just say something? And I'm, I'm apparently alone among us on this. Barbara Streisand, to me, was just a voice I could never take, and, man, I couldn't hit the radio dial quick enough. To each his own. And, yeah. Mike, if you're a Beyonce fan, check out Beyonce singing to Barbara Streisand at the Kennedy Center. It's quite impressive. Okay. Thank you, Joe. You don't Very find good, Barbara sir. Streisand singing like a, I don't know, just sounded like a cat stuck on a roof to me. And, Mike, I, I do find Jay Wright still handsome. That's uh, that's good to know. <laughs> you, you wrote this. He's, he's, he's referencing your column, which is good because that means you read your column. Yes. All right. Yes. What else you got, Joe? Secondly, I'd like to point out to Mike that um, I found out about Tina Turner's death by hitting up his Twitter feed, and I'm like, what's he doing about Live Aid? I was at that show in like 30 feet from the stage. Yeah, that was that was an amazing thing. It, it was. It's a, it's a great piece of performance art to have watched Mick Jagger and Tina Turner in 1985 at Live Aid at JFK Stadium. It's, it's remarkable. Saw that one on TV. I was I was at home. I was only ten, so I was home. I wasn't there partying with the rest of Philadelphia. So it was that it was the concert there, and it was the concert in London going on back and forth at Wembley Stadium, yep. I guess, right? Yeah. So you had Queen and Freddie Mercury doing that incredible performance, iconic at Wembley, and then you had I I think I forget who else was in Philly. Again, I was only ten, yeah. so I. I isn't there somebody there. who flew back and and performed? Was it at Phil both? Collins? Maybe. Maybe I know, I know yeah. somebody f- took the plane. Over. Yeah. Yes, and did both. It was Phil Collins. There you go. Leave it to Dan Wilson. He knows yeah. these things. I, that's what I said. I said it was Phil Collins. There don't blame. Go. Don't credit. By Dan the way, Wilson. I, I got it right. I, I I posted our three lists of our choices of the greatest female voices ever on Twitter, and said who got it right. Mm-hmm. Dan, I don't know how much you've looked at this, but it does appear the early results f- definitely favor Mike's list. Hey. Yeah, Mike's getting a lot of love on this. I- I've been going through a few of them. The, yeah. the, the one big pushback we've gotten is uh, that none of us mentioned Kelly Clarkson, which is an oversight. She's Her voice is great, and 
Um, the Breakaway album is a terrific album. They're, it is. They're okay. They're well. <laughs> nah. You're free to disagree. Yeah. There there are other names that came up that um that we didn't mention. All right, Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. I, I, she's good. She can sing. Um, Etta James, which I mentioned, I I should have, but there you go. Let me see who else people mentioned. Um, Celine Dion. A lot of people said we should. Ann Wilson from we Heart. Put on there. Okay. Anita Baker. That goes way back. Some Karen Carpenter fans here. Yeah, she was. I again. I, she was a little outside my zone of life. Yeah, you know, they were they were popular before I was born. I just never liked their music. Uh, Roberta Flack, Katie Lang, both good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Janis Joplin. Yeah, Janis Joplin is pretty damn good. Anyway, we get, we get any uh, we get any Queen of Disco Donna Summer. No. Oh. Okay. Uh, let's see. Jennifer Hudson. Jennifer Hudson. Je- she's. I almost had her on my list. That's pretty good. Yeah. Oh. She she can really sing. I we could go with that all day. But coming up, we are going to talk baseball, and we're going to take a little bit of a different perspective on it because we're going to talk to kind of a guy who covers it nationally, Tyler Kepner for the New York Times, and we'll continue to take your calls at 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. With Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Mack. Now, Saturday, as it turns to noon in the Delaware Valley, we're joined now by Tyler Kepner, baseball columnist for the New York Times, author of uh, K, A History of Baseball in Ten Pitches. I love that book. And his newer book, The Grandest Stage, History of the World Series, uh, which, man, he's got insights from uh, Reggie Jackson, Mike Schmidt, Jim Palmer, Dennis Eckersley, guys who have thrived and failed. And Tyler will be joining Mike and me along with uh, Scott Fransky, Larry Anderson, Bernie Perron, Joe Conklin, and more when we have the release party for Bedlam at the Bank Golden Ale at Conchac and Brewing Company's uh, Puddler's Kitchen and Tap in Bridgeport, 6 to 9 p.m. on June the 8th. You can meet and hang out with Fransky in L.A. while enjoying beer, a buffet, tremendous uh, auction, photo booth, and more, including a book sale where Tyler will be. All pro- By the way, proceeds go to the Philadelphia Youth Sports Consortium, a great charity. All right, that was a long lead in, Tyler. How are you today? I'm good. I'm at the uh, sunny Yankee Stadium getting ready for Yankees Padres. Nice. And yeah, that's going to be fun on, uh, on June 8th. I'm really looking forward to that. Thank you, and, and, and we appreciate that you can come and sell that great book, uh, which, by the way, I like the part where the Phillies lost the 83 series because your brother stole your lucky hat. <laughs> they did. That's true. They, they never, no one really talks about that, but, uh, it, but uh, it, is, it is true. It's a factor. Um, yeah, because they, they went down 3-1, and then at that point they were just so – Demoralized, they lost the next day. So but Ty- if my hat had been there, uh, yeah. you know, it could have been a different story. They just needed to get that series to Game Six, and then Lefty would have won Game Six, right. and then Game Seven. Who knows? But I'm like the only person in the world who still cares about the '83 World Series. But, you, you took you know. the words right out of my mouth, Tyler. You, you are the yeah. only person I've ever known who remembered anything about that series. He and was I the remember age. everything about that series, which is just so weird. But mm-hmm. anyway, that's, you were at the me. age. So yep. um, you are a guy who takes the national perspective. And so that, you know, we, we all look at it so closely, uh, microscopically. So we wanted to ask you from what you see and as much as you've gotten to see him this year, what's wrong with the Phillies this year? What what's not going right for them that ought to be going right? Yeah, it's it's tricky because. You know, you can say that, well, they did it last year. They started off just like this, and they made the World Series. But you don't want to make that a habit. You know, <laughs> that's, you, you kinda, that, that's unlikely to, to happen again. So um, I think Nola and Wheeler, if you have Nola and Wheeler pitching like 
aces or like, you know, like the one and two that, that they are, um, things could look a lot different. Um, I think they really miss Suarez. You just take a look at like, you know, falter, what was the 0-7, and you replace that with Suarez. You think they might have been, you know, 5-2 and two or 4-3, and three, whatever. I know Suarez doesn't pitch great, but a healthy Suarez, you know, over falter is, 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 uh, is an issue. Um, obviously, they miss Hoskins, but everybody has some injuries. Um, Turner hasn't been quite who they uh, expect, but he will be. I mean, he'll be fine. It's just it's it's you get an, you get getting antsy waiting for it. The home run against Arizona was great the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know you, you you throw all those factors in, and 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 this is what you get. I, I still think they you know they should probably have won a few more games, even so. Um, but again, um, you know it's it's you're going to have to probably rely on uh, you know that that 16 playoff field to get you in um there's a long summer ahead and it'll be fun it's just a little it's a little disappointing because there was such great momentum um coming off the world series and and you are seeing that though reflected in the crowds i think the crowds have been great and um that's what billy uh you know billy billy loves a winner and um you know i just i hope for their sake that this team can can give everybody a fun summer tyler is there such a thing as a World Series hangover, and do you think that's a factor with the Phillies? Um, I don't think historically that really bears out. I mean, like you can you can always point to to certain instances where it did um, with with certain teams, but I don't know why it would um, with the Phillies. I think if anything, not so much a mental hangover. It's just you know the the, the cumulative effect of pitching an extra month um, on on Wheeler, Nola, and Suarez. Um, you know, maybe that that is what I mean when you talk about a World Series hangover, I think often it's just like the extra month of pitching, you know, like those Giants teams where they they won every other year, um, but in the, the, the in between years they didn't do as well. Um, I think it's probably because the pitchers had to you know do more than they ever had before, and and um, in this era that's it's hard to bounce back and be quite as quite as sharp. I mean, remember Hamels in, in 09 wasn't quite as sharp as he had been in 08. Um, I think we're seeing that maybe with, uh, with some of the Phillies guys. Mm-hmm. So one last, I have one last question about the Phillies, and, and I'd love to talk about a, a piece you have right now about the impact of the rules changes. Um, I am looking right now at Bryce Harper's stats. Now he's he's only played 21 games. He missed the first 30, but he is hitting a lusty. Well, he's hitting 333. He's got an OPS of 950. Uh, some game-winning hits. Can he still make the All-Star game? Oh, I think he should. I mean, first of all, because he, a, a, a player, a person, a, a presence like Bryce Harper is what the All-Star game is all about. Um, and even if, you know, even though he missed some time at the beginning, uh, if his performance stays like this, I think it'd be hard to, to justify keeping him off. He's just a, a guy who belongs at an All-Star game. Everything about Harper sort of screams All-Star. And if you want to market the game, market the event, market the stars, it's pretty smart to have Bryce Harper there, especially when he's hitting well. So I don't know. Forget the first month that he wasn't here. Uh, he, he he ought to be there for sure. Tyler, you mentioned, and we're talking to Tyler Kepner, the national baseball columnist for the New York Times. You mentioned Trey Turner, and you said something very similar to what I said earlier in the show, which was he's going to hit. He's eventually going to come around. From the national perspective and maybe whatever kind of scuttlebutt, you've heard about this. What's been the reaction around baseball to the fact that Turner hasn't 
hit and played as well this season so far as he normally does? Is there surprise? Is it just, hey, he's, he's in a slump and he's adjusting to Philly and this is par for the course? Kind of what's the, the broad take on him? Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a little bit surprising just because he, you know, he's been such a great player, but also he was so good in the WBC and he had some of those big highlights in spring training and that got everybody even more excited. Um, you know, and I, you know, I talked to him in spring training. He seemed like he was in a great frame of mind. I, I thought it was a great sign the other day, you know, when he hits the home run, talked about his mom booing him. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know people, <laughs> he, he see, I, I get the feeling people really, really want to love this guy. Um, they were thrilled when he came there. Um, and, I, you know, I don't think it's a Lance Parrish kind of situation to throw way back. Uh, you know? Oh, man. Um, yeah, remember that's that. a great deep pull right there. <laughs> yeah, like I think when Lance Parrish you know, struggled right at the beginning, everyone was jumping all over him, and it just made things worse. I think, I think people really want uh, Trey Turner to succeed, and I, I, I do think he will. Uh, we're talking to Tyler Kepner of the New York Times, a native, the, the pride of Flowertown, Pennsylvania. You can follow him on Twitter, at Tyler Kepner, K-E-P-N-E-R. So you've got a piece out now, a good story about rule changes and the impact it has. Guys are stealing more bases, uh, more hits. Games are half hour quicker than they used to be. So they're accomplishing their goals. I like it all. I really do like it all. But do players and managers like it? Um, I, I don't, I think the players have adapted to it because they're skilled enough and because baseball very smartly introduced this in spring training, not in the middle of the year, like the sticky stuff ban a couple of years ago. Um, but they don't, they don't love it just because their routines have been, um, have been changed mm-hmm. and, you know, pitchers had pitchers and hitters had both sort of become, um, really overindulgent, honestly, um, in, in taking their time and clearing the mechanism, as they say, and, and, and letting the muscles recover to throw the next pitch 98 miles an hour um, to, to step out and take a breath and adjust your, you know, batting gloves and all that. Like, it had just become a, a really slowly paced game for a game that is inherently um, – a little bit slower pace and it has, it has built in pauses already. Um, that's part of what we like about baseball is the, the, um, the, the pacing of it, but the pacing of it had just gotten so out of whack. I think you almost sit back and you wonder how do we ever let it get that way? How do we stand for it for so long? Um, I think Manfred really tried to take some half measures, um, you know, to try to tell everybody this is coming. This is, you know, and eventually this year he just went, all, you know, full measures. I'm going to go Breaking Bad there. Like he just <laughs> he, he went he went he went all in. No more half measures, and they've been rigid about it. You know, some players complain that there's no feel. You know, like that like the Kimbrel one the other day was was weird, um, where they called him for a, a ball and yeah, right, didn't, and didn't see that one coming, right? You know, yeah, and like you know, sometimes it's just like there's no there doesn't seem to be feel. But I think the greater good is that they are rigidly enforcing this. And players from the minor leagues are more used to it because they've played under it. And players who have been here will and have adjusted. Like, look, Harper, you know, remember Harper on Sunday Night Baseball talking about, like, uh, you know, how he didn't, he didn't like it, sort of ripping baseball a little bit. And he's, he's doing great. He's doing fine. These guys are, are good enough to adjust. But I don't blame them for being annoyed at having their well-established routines upended. 
Um, but it's so much for the greater good. Aren't you guys enjoying baseball more? I didn't think much I could. More. And much, I love much. it. I yeah. love it. Me, me too, so Tyler. And, and one of the interesting things that you pointed out in your story was that obviously stolen bases are up, but the teams, what is it, the five teams with the lowest payrolls this season are also the five teams with the most stolen bases. Because as you write, cheaper players tend to be younger and younger players tend to be faster. And three of those teams, the Orioles, the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Pittsburgh Pirates all have winning records. Uh, You know, the Pirates in particular really kind of surprisingly. Nobody expected them to be competitive. So my question is, have the new have the rules changes made major league increased major league baseball's parity? Have they made uh, the sport more interesting to more fan bases so far? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if 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 they've made if they've promoted parity, but they've at least given the the lower payroll teams, the younger teams, another weapon. Like it's much more. It's still and always will be much more efficient and easier to score a run with a home run from a, you know, probably a, a high-priced slugger than it would be with a stolen base and a couple of singles. Um, but it is a weapon, and it does help. And a team like the Pirates, I don't know if they're going to last, but it's a weak division in the Central, and, and, and they're certainly – I think they're a half game out. Um, so they're right in the mix. And if, if, if they have younger players who can take advantage of this and maybe scrape together an extra run here or there and win – three or four games that they wouldn't have won otherwise that, you know, that keeps things interesting. I just like how there's more, you know, there's more possibilities. Now. Yes. Um, yep. You there's know, more action. Like, there's more stolen bases. There's the yeah, defense means more, all of those things. You know what I keep thinking happening? Yeah, yeah. You know what I keep thinking of though? And, and you, you talk about the, the elimination, the shift and how much it has been, it's helped left-handed hitters more than right-handed hitters for reasons that tend to make sense. And I think, Oh man, poor Ryan Howard. Yep. Right, 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 Ryan. You poor know, Ryan Howard never it's got to so live. Funny it. that you mentioned that because I have, I still have not been able to use this, but I, I think of it all the time. When I talked to Manfred about this at at the WBC, he said I had I just had lunch with Ryan Howard today or this weekend or whatever it was. Manfred saying this, and he's like, and Ryan Howard said, "You couldn't have done this when I was." Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's a little too late for me. But you're, you're right. I mean, guys, like been, Ryan he would have been a Hall of Famer if that how, had happened. If that had no shift, Ryan Howard, I believe, would be in the Hall of Famer. How many line drives into short right field did he hit that the second baseman playing 225 feet from home plate caught? Yeah, yeah. And it, and and you know, it really is. I, I was standing down the right field line in Tempe this spring training, and Mookie Betts was there, and he was playing second base you know, get ready for the WBC where the shift rules were not in place. And just from the perspective of the right field line, seeing where this second baseman was practicing second base, and you're right, it's like 200 feet from the plate, way out in, in, in right field. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, how did we ever, again, you know, stand for this? Um, but it was just sort of the natural outgrowth of the game getting, in a way, you hate to say it, game getting too smart. Yeah, it was math. It was math and well. science as opposed to art. And to me, baseball yeah, should be art. It worked too well. Yeah. It, it worked too well. It, it prevented. You know, they figured out where guys are going to hit the ball, and they put them there, and it was very efficient. But again, I've talked about this with you. I think, Mike, like part of baseball's charm is is some of the inefficiencies, yep. some of the weird stuff. Like you can't you can't just put all the defenders where they're going to hit it. You got to put them in some weird places where they never hit it. You know, like I, that's just that's part of baseball's quirky charm and you can't 
I think they're legislating all this, but they're legislating the natural stuff back into the game. Yeah, stuff it's we good. like. It's good. Yeah. It's, it's helping yeah. the game. The game is good. Uh, Tyler, uh, terrific story. It's in the Times now. You can get the paper or read it on the website, nytimes.com. And as we said, Tyler is the author of two terrific books, K, History of Baseball in 10 Pitches, and his newer book about the World Series, a, The Grandest Stage, History of the World Series. He will be selling both of those books, and you will be selling your book. Mm-hmm. Todd Zalecki is going to join yep. us, the third author, author, June the 8th at Puddler's Kitchen and Tap. That's uh, the Conchalk and Brewing Company place that I'm a part of. We're going to have a big party to uh, kind of help release Merrill and Mike, Bedlam at the Bank, Golden Ale, Profits go that night to the or for all the beer and that night to the Philadelphia Youth Sports Consortium. It's gonna be a fun night. Tyler, we look forward to seeing you yeah. there. And that is a good that is a great organization. My dad's actually on the board of that and he's uh he's very passionate about that. So uh, it's really cool that um you know that that the some proceeds are, are, are going to that organization. It's a, it's a worthy cause and uh it'll be a ton of fun. Hey, forgot to Looking ask you because we were debating this. We're told that you have been prompted on this. Best yes. female singers of all time. Uh, as a kid in the early '90s, who had a huge crush on Mariah Carey, I, 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 I think of Mariah Carey back then. Um, I think of some of the '80s pop singers. I like Susanna Hopps and Belinda oh, Carlisle. Yeah, Belinda Carlisle is good. Like yeah, her. you know, right. and then some of the Motown voices, Martha and the Vandellas and Patti LaBelle and all them. Um, Thelma yeah, Houston, uh, so Gloria Gaynor, all of them. So yeah, Tina Turner, yeah, obviously. Thelma Houston is, Came a, with notes. is a great pull by Tyler. You like that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good and, stuff. And Susanna Hoffs just wrote a novel that was reviewed in your paper, Tyler. Reviewed oh, in the wow. Times. It's They gotta, raved about it. All right. i got to get that. we got to yeah. go. Hey, all we'll right, see you on fellas. June the 8th. Thanks so much. Yep. Thanks, yeah. Tyler. All right, good stuff. There you go. He came with names. He's he's great. He's great. He's a good friend and a, and a great guy. And the piece that he wrote about how the new rules are impacting baseball, and like he, like I, is a huge fan of what's happening mm-hmm. now. Games are half hour quicker. It's There's great. more action. It's Things so mu- are happening. It's so much better. Yeah. It's so much better. And I'm going to win that bet with Jody Mack. I think I already got it won. Yeah, oh, you're going to win Stolen easy. bases up you don't even 10% need, this year. You don't year. even need Trey Turner to start running to no, win that bet. No, they're stealing bases. I love it. Let's get Jack and West Deptford. You're on with Mike and Glenn. Hey, Jack. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Guys. Hey, Jack. Uh, yeah, I, I just want to mention something uh, short about sports, and then I want to get into music because I used to play in a band, and I've seen all the top groups of the 60s. So, uh, I agree with Jody Mack. He calls it the bridge. He said next year is just going to be maybe win 47, 48. You're talking about the, the Sixers, playoffs. Jack? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Make the playoffs, and uh, the following year it'll have uh, salary cap freedom. And you never know. The playoffs, you get a key injury to somebody, and you might be able to go someplace. But that's how they I, I think I'm with you on that. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. the whole question it boils down to is do you bring back James Harden, right? That's really what it boils down to, and I'm inclined to be with uh, Jack, excuse me, and say I'm I'm not doing it. Yeah, no, I'm in the same I, boat. I don't think I don't think there's an appetite amongst the Sixers fan base to run it back in any regard. I think they'd rather see a change uh, and a bridge year like the, what Jack's talking about. Who are some of those um, female vocalists okay. you're thinking of, Jack? Yeah, now I want to say I used to. My father had a house in Atlantic City, and I'm sure when you heard Steel Pier, right? I didn't hear you say it again. Uh, you heard of Steel Pier in Atlantic? Oh, of City? course. Oh, sure. Yeah, my father had a house, and I used to go down every summer. 
And I played in a band, actually, uh, high school and a little bit into my 20s, like just weddings and socials. Uh-huh. And I saw some of the top groups you ever think of. I saw the Rolling Stones when they first came out. Yeah, wow. Maybe 150 feet from me. I saw the Beach Boys. I saw the Beatles in Atlantic City when they first came over. Never saw country. the Beach Boys. I've seen the Stones in several decades, yeah. and I've seen the Beach Boys. But you got it. We got to go to a break. So, oh, can I get my top five in? Yeah, sure. Oh, is that time for that now? Uh, oh, you ready for it? Yeah, we're ready. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, this is different than anybody's list because I go way back. I'm going number five. This is somebody nobody will mention. For commercial music, I'm going Barbara Streisand. Yeah. Voice, voice singer. We, we've heard Keep of her. her. Yeah. Who's number four? I'm going to Diana Warwick. Uh, Dionne uh, Warwick? Never, okay. Yeah, never. Uh, you'll never love again. Boy, she hit the notes on that. Jack, I got to go to a commercial, so just give me the top three real quick. Rapid uh, fire. Timmy, in that country, let's go country. Yep. I'm going Whitney Houston, yep. too. And Diana Ross, I saw her live. Yeah. I had my hands on the stage. She was rapping. Diana Ross stage. is a good one that, as you've said, I did, like, honorable mentions. Yeah. And, and that's, that was a great voice. Her oh, stuff yeah, with absolutely. the Supremes and after the Supremes was great. 215-592-9494. Now, coming up. We're going to do a very, very quick theme mm-hmm. of players who got away. Yes. And I'm going to give a prize, which I guess will be tickets to the event that we've been talking about on June 8th, to a question I'm going to ask. Usually, when you do something like this, you take it over the whole show. We're going to do this within 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a theme. We're going to ask a question. We're going to give a prize. One segment. As uh, Courtney Cox said on the show, friends, we are so good at lightning rounds. <laughs> and go. that's what this is. <laughs> Two on five. So pay attention because somebody's going to win this prize. And if you call and win it, congrats. Two on five, five, nine, two, ninety four, ninety four. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now on ninety four WIP. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now, ninety four WIP. We're going up to one o'clock. I believe Go Birds Radio coming up then. Who's Elliot. in? Is it uh, James and Elliot? James and Elliot. There you go. The A-team on that, so stay tuned for that. All right, so we're going to do a little thing here, and this is going to, we're going to talk for a couple minutes, and then we're going to throw out a question, and whoever gets the question and calls in to 215-592-9494 with the right answer will win a pair of tickets to uh, my charity event, which is June 8th. Um, it's the release of the Fransky NLA Beer Party. Mike's going to be there. So selling my book. Selling his book, along with Tyler Kepner, who you just uh, heard, and Todd Zalecki. Larry Anderson, uh, Scott Fransky, who we named the beer after, are mm-hmm. going to be there. I know Bernie Perrant's going to come and auction a Bernie Perrant jersey off his back. That's awesome. Uh, That's I think awesome. Jody Mack is coming. Joe Conklin is coming. I, I had two of the, the Golden Nails last night, as a matter of fact, at a barbecue. They are terrific. Much appreciated. Fully endorsed. And the beneficiary of all this is the Philadelphia Youth Sports Consortium, which is a great thing. So anyway, uh, the tickets are 20 bucks, which gets you the buffet, and that's what we're going to give them away for it. But here's the here's the theme of the thing, and Ashley and Manary, hold on, because we'll get to you too. Uh, you're watching the postseason playoffs in the NHL and the NBA, and you mm-hmm. and I have talked about this. And boy, there are two guys who are just stars out there. Yep, yep. You've got the Miami Heat up three games to two, and their star has been former Sixer Jimmy Butler. And you have the Florida Panthers in the Stanley Cup final on an incredible run. And their goaltender is former Flyers goalie Sergei Bobrovsky. So you've had the opportunity to sit back and watch two former Philadelphia athletes 
just tearing up on deep playoff runs for their respective teams. Now, I look at those two a little bit differently, and that Jimmy Butler kind of passed through here. Mm-hmm. They made a conscious decision to let him go, and you can go back and say, God, they should have kept him and you know not, not sign Harris to that deal or whatever. Or Ben Until Simmons. Ben Simmons yeah. to pound sand and could have kept him. But Jimmy, Har- Jimmy Butler has been on several teams, and he got away. The Bobrovsky one bothers me more because yeah. he was here. He was here, and he was pretty good. He was pretty good. He was a backup. He told the franchise, look, I don't want to be a backup here. I may go back to Russia. So they let him. They traded him. He's won two Vezina trophies. He's mm-hmm. still around. He kind of reemerged this postseason as a star. The Florida Panthers are in the NHL Stanley Cup Finals. They knocked out the best team that the league has ever seen in yeah. the first round. Yeah, and then they knocked out, like, I think the first, the third, the fourth best team yeah. in the league. And they were the eighth seed. Yep. I know, which is why hockey is so strange, which is why goalies are so important, which is why Danny Briere saying he's open to trading Carter mm-hmm. Hart earlier on our show. Make sure you listen to that podcast. It was pretty interesting. It was very, very interesting. Okay, so... The one who got away. When you think of the one who got away, who do you think about? All right, so this is appropriate because we just had Tyler on, and Tyler is about as well-versed in Philly's history as anybody. Uh, as, right. he, as he mourns the 1983 He's the World only guy Series. mourning the 1983 <laughs> Wheeze kids. The one that everybody's forgotten about. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the, when I think of the one who got away, being a huge Phillies fan as a kid, the, the name that automatically pops to mind for me is Ryan Sandberg. Yeah. who the Phillies traded in 1982 as part of a deal to get Ivan de Jesus. And Sandberg, of course, went on to become a Hall of Famer with the Cubs, MVP in 1984. Not a particularly good manager, but a tremendous player. So that's the first name that I always think of whenever yeah. a topic like this comes up. I think up. they thought he was the third baseman in the minors. And they said, oh, you got Schmidt. He's never going to play. So right. like, and then he moved over to second base and became a great player. Yeah, he's one people mention. Fergie Jenkins is one that people talk yep. about in baseball. Uh, Larry Jackson and Bob Buell. Yeah, that was a bad trade for the Phils. Um, the one that I think, and this this is one that nobody ever thinks of because he never actually played here, but is Peter Forsberg, mm-hmm. who was in the trade that the Flyers made with the then Quebec Nordiques, then the Rockies, or the Avalanche, excuse me, to get Eric Lindros. Yep. Uh, the pa- it was a huge package. The Flyers got the rights to Lindros, and they gave up a Ton of Ron Hextall, Kerry Huffman, and right? Draft picks. Kerry Huffman, boy, that's you yeah, remember that one? I do. That. Okay, and, and Mike Ricci, and one was this guy they had in the, in, in the ownership of, or whatever I'm trying to say, which was Peter Forsberg, who went on to have well a better career than Lindros because Lindros, he stayed healthy. Yeah, Lindros had all the concussions, so that's when it killed me. So here's the question: Be ready. There's somebody right now that I fear is going to be the next one that we say, that got away. This is the guy who got away. I don't want want to say anything else except that if you are following sports right now, Mm -hmm. there is a name that we may well add to this list. Yes. So whoever calls first and tells us who it is that we are thinking of that could be the next great player who got away wins a pair of tickets to my charity event on June 8th. Did I, did I set that up? Well? I think you did. I okay. think people will get it and uh, without giving away too much. Yes. Okay. We'll see. Ashley in Mount Airy wants to talk about, ooh, a certain player who might have hit the market <laughs> in the NHL, eh? at NHL, NFL, right? 
Right, right. But before I even get to that, I just want to say briefly about the Sixers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if y'all can say something, but please don't do the Harden thing again if you can get out. <laughs> and I get it. I get it. Like, right now, he's about the only option that you have. But I'm not trying to see another playoffs where, okay, he goes off in two games. But for the rest of the series, is like, look, I don't know who it is, and maybe y'all can tell me when you when you cut me off. I don't care if it's um, Daryl. I don't care if it's Elton. Like, I'm sorry, y'all need to bring up some play. And I know we ain't got no first round picks, but y'all need to find somebody. Yeah, that, yeah. Actually, you, know, you can't you, you can't create something out of dust. It's it's not. <laughs> it, yeah. It's hardened yeah, or it's hardened or it's take the step back. Well, well, God did it, and and that was well. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I got news for you, Ashley. I mean, I'm not kidding, but I, 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 I got news for you. I like Daryl Morey personally. I think he's been a pretty uh-huh. good general manager. He ain't God. <laughs> Who is? But anyway, <laughs> but let me get to the Eagles. Um yeah. Look, I understand that. Look, somebody said I don't remember who said it, but they said it weeks ago. Um, what's the name? Harry Roseman is is basically playing Madden. <laughs> And and it is, and this is why I'm about to say this. Mm-hmm. DeAndre got released, yeah. and I'm sorry. I would look out. Look, how we famous for the one one year deals? Get a one year deal and and bring in another top option. Julio is cool. All right, but so for let, real, let's real, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Uh, actually, two questions. If you're DeAndre Hopkins, why do you want to take a one year deal with anybody? Because you can more than likely. Get a ring. Like, look, we we don't know what's going to happen year to okay. year. Okay, right, he wants the ring. Team. All right, that's a fair question. Second question: If he comes here and gets uh, 70, 75 catches, he's uh-huh. taken away from somebody. Yeah, who's he and taking him away from? That's the other thing I was thinking. Um, because what if it takes away from um 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 Devontae? That's what it's yeah, going to exactly. do. Because. I don't want to do that. I, we got to go, but then I, I don't want to. No, I love DeAndre Hopkins, but it's not what like it's just going to crowd it there. You you don't need him. You don't need him. There there are other holes in this team that need to be filled. You have AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, who are two terrific receivers. You have Dallas Goddard at tight end. You're not going to play DeAndre Hopkins in the slot. Uh, look, he's a great great player. He might be the best receiver in the NFL, but. The Eagles don't need him. No. I'm, I mean, I'd love him, but they, they, they don't. All right, John uh, joins us, and John uh, has a guess to the answer of who is the next guy that we are going to mourn and say, boy, that one got away. Well, I think uh, now that we've seen Laurie Marcanon, uh become one of the best players in the NBA, or at least a top 30 player, if not a top 10 or 15 mm. Uh, it's pretty obvious that McCall Bridges is a kingmaker oh, in the ah, NBA. That's that's a pretty good name. Not the name I was thinking of. No, only, it's, only because it's a pretty good. Yeah, only because <laughs> McHale is, and he, and he is one who got away, but he's not excelling right now. Yeah, uh, this is an athlete who is performing that's very good. well right now. All right, Chad and Limerick, what do you got? Yeah, Jason Tatum. No, sir. Now, there, there's a misconception there that the Sixers were not going to end up with Jason Tatum. Uh, the, the Celtics wouldn't have made that deal if they thought this, there was any chance the Sixers would have taken Tatum. Ron in Lancaster, who's the one we're going to be bemoaning that got away? Rick. Rick. Uh, Rick, excuse me, Rick. Yeah, Goss is fair. 
Augustus Bear, no, sir. Nope. Not bad, though. Good Jake, guess. Jake in South Philly, who's the one who got away? Zach Eflin. No, sir. Good guess. Wow, I thought this was going to be I th- pretty I, easy. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, let's see. Here, I'll, I'll tee it up again. There is somebody right now who is performing who I just worry that as things move forward, we're going to say, man, that's a great player for, who got away from us. Rich in Mount Laurel, do you know who it is? Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say Logan O'Hoppy. You are really close. Close, but no. <laughs> <laughs> Logan O'Hoppy got injured. He's out for the year. Yeah. He, so he's not playing. So, no, that's not that's not the guy. All right, let's see if it's uh, Tobacco Road Jeff. Well, there you go. Who you got, Jeff? Can I answer like Harry Callis? Sure. How about that Mickey Modiac? Uh, you would be correct. <laughs> well done, Jeff. Well done. Yeah, Mickey Moniak is going crazy there. You had his stats early. Now, it's, it's really early. He's only got 30-something at-bats. He's got 31 at-bats. He has 13 hits, including four homers, two doubles, and a triple. His OPS is 1373. Barry Bonds. His slugging <laughs> percentage is... Is 935. Oof. He's hitting 419. Now it's only 31 at bats. Yeah. But he was hitting well in spring training last year before he got hurt and they traded him. And he was hitting well again in spring training this year before he got hurt. So if he stays healthy, it's possible that he's going to be a pretty good player. Yeah. Again, a long way to go. But as I'm, and I saw him make an amazing catch the other day, too, in the outfield. And he had a lot of time here where he showed nothing. He's looking good. Hey, Jeff, uh, you win a pair of tickets to my charity event on June the 8th. I hope you're able to come. I'm going to put you on hold. And uh, uh, Dan, get all his information and we'll, we'll get that to him. That would be something else, Glenn, if Moniac <sighs> became a star. I, and I'm I'm not rooting against him as I usually do in my small way of viewing <laughs> things, which is he left Philadelphia. I root against him. I mean, you know, I'll be That's honest. Small it's, in in many ways. It is. Right? It is. But um, he, I kind of feel for the guy. I do too. He was draft. He was the first pick of the draft. He was what seventeen. Yep. He wasn't ready. There's a ton of pressure. He didn't succeed here. Man, the focus was so laser sharp. Go somewhere else. You know, he's older now. He's physically matured. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's mentally matured. And, I, hey, I hope he has a career. It, it shows how rare an athlete at that age developing into a superstar is. You know, we, we see the examples of a guy like Alex Rodriguez or LeBron James or Kobe Bryant, and we think, well, those guys must be just easy to spot, and that's how it's supposed to be when – the years between your 18 and 22 are the years where you probably grow and mature more than in any period in your life. Yeah. And it seems like maybe that's all Moniac needed was some time to mature, grow into his body, get himself to the point physically, mentally, and emotionally where he could actually perform at the big league level. By the way, our producer Dan Wilson pointed out that Moniac is playing in Anaheim. What else do they have in Anaheim? Disneyland. 
And who's the face of Disneyland? Uh, one of the characters from Frozen, I think. No, well, who's <laughs> one the, of the historic Mickey one? Mouse, of Mickey course. Mouse. If you're Mickey Moniac and you play well in Anaheim, man. Endorsements. Oh, that opens it up to you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but you got to wear those white gloves. It's going to be terrible. Yeah, and the big ears. <laughs> uh, by the way, there were some... Some of those other names are pretty good. <laughs> yeah, but, but those Michael ones... Bridges is one that. Yeah, yeah Michael Bri- Michael Bridges is definitely one that got away. Yeah. Um, especially because, oh gosh, I mean, of what they got for him and why they traded him and what they need as yeah. a team, and he would have fit perfectly. And his mother worked him. for the franchise. And his mother, and they showed the joy of his mother. Then forty-five minutes later, they traded. The and, and, and you knew what he, who he was, and what he was because yeah. he had grown up right. around here. Local he had played at Villanova. Yep. yep. You know, should have stayed here. Should have stayed. Um. So I joined this station in December 1993, working with Jody Mack. I'll be on tomorrow with Jody. And I swear to God, I've done over the years that theme probably. 10, 12 times, mm-hmm. which is let's talk about the ones who got, got away. away. It, it is one of those chestnuts that you do on slow days. But I didn't want to do the show, devote the show to it. But after I saw Moniac the other day, I thought, man, that's. Yeah. Where, and we can, by the way, years after I'm done here and people are doing on this station in the year, you know, 25, 25, <laughs> if man is still alive. Thank you. They'll, are you Zager or Evans? Yeah, they'll be doing <laughs> they'll be doing that theme. Yeah, and it and it's it resonates with people because yeah. you always ask yourself like, why didn't we hold on to that guy? Yeah. yeah. Hall of Famer Mickey Moniak. Ah. Yeah, Should have kept him. Should uh, be. Anyway, good good pull, Tobacco Road Jeff. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. We're gonna come back. We're gonna kind of wrap it up. Maybe review some of the things that we talked about. Dan Wilson is going to tell us what we forgot to talk about today. That is always a highlight before we turn it over to the Go Birds guys. Uh, Mike Sielski, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Mike Sielski, Glenn Mack now 94 WIP. All right, so before we get out of here, let's let's uh, review the show a okay. little bit. Uh, we debated our favorite female singers of all time. We, it started as a tribute to Tina Turner, and then we kind of made our lists, and uh, I think mine was better. Certainly Aretha Franklin at the top. You, you put didn't, Whitney you didn't even include Whitney Houston. No, I did not, um, nor did you include Aretha Franklin. So well, we can both slam each other on that kind of I thing. I need to think, think, think about what my list means to me. Um, we got a lot of feedback on that. Most, by the way, saying that you did better than I and Dan Wilson did better <laughs> well, than yes. I, but, you know, there's no accounting for taste. <laughs> uh, we had some good interviews today, and we appreciate it. Jeff McClain of The Inquirer, you should listen to that podcast. It's it's really good. It's really good. And and it's what's really impressive about it, I think, is that Jeff is able to, and you made this point, uh, reach out to these ex, mostly ex-Eagles and get them to open up about their time series. Yeah. Uh, whether you're talking about Carrie Williams, Jason Babin, uh, I'm trying to think of who else is there. Bo Allen was one. Um, Skip. What's that? The Chip. Skip. The Chip. Chip. Kelly. The yeah, Chip Kelly Chip one Kelly. was great. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's well worth listening to. Um, and we talked to Tyler Kepner in the New York Times about the rule changes in baseball. We all agree those are great. We talked to Danny Briere, the Flyers' general manager, and we appreciate his time. And his candor, he said, it's not going to be a quick rebuild. It's going to take some time. We're not going to BS people Mm -hmm. into thinking, like, we can turn this around. It's not the sport it used to be when Ed Snyder could say, we're not good. Go find four big free agents and bring them in. And I'll sign a check. Yeah. It's not that game anymore, and I appreciate that. And the other thing he said that certainly raised our eyebrows was that he is not averse to trading goaltender Carter Hart. He's not looking to trade him, but, and here's the quote, 
It is most likely Carter will be our goalie for the future, but I'm not in the position to turn anything down. I have to listen. Yeah. He's their biggest asset, and I agree with what Briere said. He wouldn't be doing his job, given the condition of the franchise, if he didn't at least entertain offers uh, for Carter Hart because he's the player on that roster that the Flyers could get the most for in return. And one, honestly, Glenn, one of the big mistakes that they've made over the last 10 to 12 years is not capitalizing on a player's highest value at the right time. Mm-hmm. They held on to guys too long. One of the examples I would point out would be Wayne Simmons, who was a beloved player here, but who should have been traded a couple of years earlier before he actually was when his value was at its highest. If you were committed to really building a good team, um, th- there was a point in Simmons' career where he was going to do nothing but decline, and they should have traded him. And they didn't, and they didn't get very much for him. And they've been kind of following that misguided approach for too long. And it was it was encouraging, honestly, I think, if you're a Flyers fan, to hear Briere say, yes, we are open to trading Carter Hart. But I even took a little more out of it because he then he spoke unprompted by us at all of the young mm-hmm. talent up and coming they have at that position. Yeah. Which made it sound and again, this is this is me interpreting as if it's more than yeah, you know, we'll listen to offers as in that's a very valuable chip that we could trade and get something for and we have other guys. Yeah. That's how I take no, it. No, I, I took it that way too. All right. Let us go to our producer Dan Wilson and find out if, among all this there can't be anything we forgot to talk about. Well, I will go on a national glance. Uh, tonight we have Game Six of the Eastern Conference oh, yeah. Finals: Celtics and Heat. Uh, we kind of tonight. Oh. That is tonight. I thought yeah. it was tomorrow night. Tonight. No, okay. tonight and then Game Seven would be on Monday, Memorial Day. Uh, we were talking about it a little bit, like people who got away. Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is trying to avoid being history here. Uh, there has been no team ever to blow a 3-0 series lead in the NBA. It's happened five times in sports history. Four in the NHL. Uh, once in Major League Baseball, of course, the Flyers did it over the Bruins. The Red Sox did it over the Yankees yeah. the only time in baseball. I was at that, yeah. Uh, only three times has a Game 7 ever been forced in the NBA out of the 150 times a team has led 3-0. And never won. And never won. Do we give the Celtics a chance I, to I pull do, it off? I do. I do. So, I, I give the, the, the win in Game 6, the blowout in Game 6, or excuse me, Game 5, made me think they can do this. So my older son, my 11-year-old son, Evan, is the biggest fan in this area of both the Atlanta Falcons and the Miami Heat. And I cannot, I I hope, I pray that the Heat win this series because the fact that that kid had to deal with his favorite football team. Was he like seven? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Coughing up a 25-point lead in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and then rooting for the the first NBA team to blow a three games to none lead. You just probably for, shouldn't take him to the city of Boston anytime I, I, soon. I, I just for my own son's sake, please, Miami, finish the series off tonight. Uh, I would love to see that as well. Rooting against the Celtics seems the smart thing to so do. The, but this, I think the Celtics have. Well, a, I well, think they got a real shot. The Sixers angle on this is we're talking about the new Sixers head coach, and a lot of people want Nick Nurse. Yeah. Missoula was on the hot seat like four days ago. Yeah, if the Celtics pull this yeah. off, it's one less. Opening. Opening, that's a good point, too. Yeah, good All point. Right. All right, what else you got? Uh, so I got, uh, I, look, I'm going to preface this by saying he's mine and just about everyone's favorite, like, eagle of all time around here. Did you guys hear Brian Dawkins' version yeah. of <laughs> taking me out of the ball game? Yeah, this week? go ahead. Go. Give us a little bit. 
I mean, does he not know the words? Did he not look I, up the words? Uh, you know what? He I'll give him a little I'll give him a little slack because of this. He started out, I thought, okay. But then he was behind then, the well, beat. Well, that's what yeah. happened. He lost the rhythm of it. He lost the beat of the thing, and I think he's was getting a little bit confused and trying to catch up. Listen, man, you're singing in front of a stadium full of people. I give you a He gets a pass. <laughs> he does. It's have, Brian Dawkins. He's also he Brian a, Dawkins. He gets a pass for life. Right. Have you ever does. have you ever sung in public in front of an audience? No. Right. no have, definitely not an audience that big. Does, you, does, maybe this, a radio show, does yeah. this radio show count? This is the biggest no, audience no. I've ever spoken Live to. Live audience. Yeah. No. It's unnerving. I've done it. It's unnerving. And I, I, he's Brian Dawkins. Leave yeah. him alone. All exactly. right, all right, all right. One more. Uh, we didn't really get to it, but uh, the Cardinals and Jonathan Gannon, our good friend out there in Arizona, cutting DeAndre Hopkins yesterday. Do we have thoughts on, A, the Cardinals making this move, and B, the thought of the Eagles possibly showing any interest? Uh, look, the Cardinals are not a smart franchise, so it doesn't surprise me that they would cut their best player. Uh, and as we said earlier with, uh, I think it was um, I, uh, Ashley who called in from my, Mount Airy about this, it doesn't make any sense for the Eagles. It just doesn't. They're set at wide receiver. They have two great ones. Hopkins isn't going to play the slot. They, they, they already signed a slot receiver. It, it's not happening. Um, they cut him because he's getting a lot of money, and they know they're going to be awful, and so why are we going to pay a lot of money? We're going to win five games anyway. Well, I don't know. You just handed your quarterback a gigantic contract. Uh, Doesn't he need someone to he, throw he to? He went on a podcast this week and ranked the top five guys he wants to catch passes from. Did not leave Kyler – did not put Kyler Murray on the list. Put Jalen Hurts on the I list. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure if he got the right contract, he would come here. But, it, I mean, as we discussed, who's he, who's he going to take the catches away from? Well, it would be Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. All right, is that? And Dallas Goddard. Right. I don't want to do that. No. It's only one ball. Right. As they say, yeah. The, the Eagles do not lack for weapons. That's, you know. If the That's Eagles, not their problem. I think the Eagles yeah. will add some talent, and I look forward to hearing the Go Birds uh, guys talk about that coming up because there's they did it last year. They've done yeah. it years before. They had a Chauncey Gardner last year yep. later than this. They did. They've so, added cornerbacks in years past, but they don't need DeAndre no, Hopkins. They no, as, as sexy as the name is, it's not going to happen. Dan Wilson, great job by you. Mike Sealski, always a pleasure. What do you got going for the rest of the weekend? I am picking up my wife and sons, and we're heading to the shore for the weekend. Nice. Wildwood Crest, or they won't allow you <laughs> Wildwood, there? Wildwood Crest, Sea Isle City, <laughs> What's actually. the difference? Sea Isle City. Right. Uh, Just we, for a couple uh, days. No, so we, Not a boardwalk, a promenade, right? Promenade is correct. Yes. Yes. So Ocean people, City and People get touchy about that, too, do, in Sea Isle. People in... in people down, defend their short towns People the down the shore here. in the Philadelphia area get touchy about a lot of things. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so my wife and I uh, have the um, our three-year-old grandson, Gregory, for the whole weekend. Oh, boy. The dads are out on a, on a vacation weekend or whatever, so... I'm going home to take a three-year-old to the uh, playground and then uh, maybe read his water ice. So that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. I guarantee you'll be passed out by 8 o'clock. Uh, well, that, that's happened to my wife last night. That kid will run you ragged. Yes, my wife and I last night sat down and said, hey, let's watch this uh, new show, White House Plumbers. I look over her 15 minutes later. She's out. <laughs> so yeah, it probably will happen, but it's fun. I love the kid. All right, great job. Stay tuned. Go Birds Radio. So it is James Seltzer and Jack Fritz. Is that right? There you go. Maybe get a... Yeah, I get a top five. Fritz, uh, they're not on a five. No, I maybe a, get... a top five at two it would be even a possibility. All right, yeah. I, I actually, I know they got they got a full agenda. I would like to hear their favorite female singers, just to see if those guys have any depth of knowledge on this subject. Oh, I, I actually, you know what, Seltzer will. Yeah, he probably Seltzer will. will. Seltzer no will. faith in Jack, not at all. But Seltzer is a fan of uh, musical theater. And I think he's got a depth of knowledge on this. Do, do you think Joe? Fritz will be terrible. Do you think Joe DeCamera's ever heard of Aretha Franklin? 
right. <laughs> a parting shot. No, no, no. I'm kidding with Joe. I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, I was on the morning I'm not show. Kidding the other... with, I'm not kidding with Jack. No, I, Jack I, I was on nothing. the morning show the other day and made some pop culture reference, and he didn't get it. And he was the only he won one. He won pop in the culture, studio. beat the hammer, three one yesterday. Big win for him. I got to get on that. I got to get on that. I, I want a piece of that. There you go. All right, everybody, have a great weekend. I'll be back tomorrow morning with Jody Mack right here on 94 WIP.